Greetings and salutations. You've successfully arrived at the bloody disgusting network. Coming up next is something indescribable, tantalizing, and mind-numbing. Enjoy. My friendship to all of you precludes my involvement with any one of you. But if you want to make love, then I do too, and I'll be right there behind you. Greetings, constant listeners, and welcome once again to another episode of The Losers Club, a Stephen King podcast presented by Consequence of Sound. We are at the end. We can see the light at the end of the sewers here. This is part five of It, um, part six of our ongoing It coverage, and it will cover um, part five, The Ritual of Chewed. My name is Mel Marshmallow Castle. It took me up to part five to actually come up with a good nickname that conflates Beverly Marsh and my name. (laughs) Um, I'm located in Iowa City, sitting all alone in an office, but I think far away I can sense, I'm sending my power to three of my friends. Oh, God. Um, Can they tell me who they are? Hey, uh, as has been well established, this is Justin Richie Trashmouth Tozier Gerber. Uh, thanks again for all the votes out there from all of our constant listeners. And yeah, I'm back. This is my third straight episode of It Coverage. I started at Grown Ups, did the old part four, and now we're closing it out with Chewed. You know, it's funny because I always pronounce it, it's, it's Chud. Good. Yeah. But it, the, <laughs> it's the, the, Chewed, yeah, it has the umlaut. You're right. It does it have the umlaut. umlaut. I, but the thing is, like, I, I learned German years after I read it. So for me, it's always Chud. I think about that movie Chud that does not have the that, umlaut. That's what I remember, yeah. Yeah, so it, it's uh, it's always in my brain that way. Yeah. Well, it's weird because there's that – I mean, they're underground dwellers, right? Like it's – Exactly. They live in the sewers too. What is it like creature, humanoids, under something? Under dwellers. Yeah. Under dwellers. I don't know. That's about right. <laughs> anyway. That like a British slang for your <laughs> underpants. Well, you know, I'm happy to be back. Um it's funny because we also did multiple episodes. I think we did three plus episodes for The Stand. But for me, this has been far more uh, pleasurable, at least for me. Anyway, I just wanted to say that. So it's been a blast. It's really sweet, Justin. Thank you. Um, I think your brother or no, let's go. Let's oh, go over to. Oh, no, I could be his brother, too. <laughs> yeah, sure. If you want me to try. I'm another mother. Let's go. <laughs> this is Aisha. Um, I never can think of a name because I never think about this outside of this place. <laughs> uh, so I have no nickname right now, but I'm joining for part three or no part three for me because I did grown up. Yeah, we've, we've done them all together. Yeah. This will be my last one, though, because I'll be in Seattle doing things. So if, you, if you're looking for her, she'll be in Seattle in a couple of weeks, everybody. Yeah, don't don't look for me. <laughs> don't, don't I'll do be that. with my Please mother and my that. sister. I don't want to embarrass my mother further than I already have. Aisha, you can be Aisha Eater of Worlds. Ooh, like I, well, OK, so that brings me to a comment I have for later about that. that uh, mm-hmm. You know, gender and life, because I'm hypersensitive about life. <laughs> Uh, this is Mackenzie Haystacks Gerber coming at you, not so live from the Losers Club office here. Really excited to be on this episode. Um, well, so much happens, and I'm um, just ready to dive in to that uh, to the old Barons. I'm afraid right. to, but yeah. Well, yeah, but we have to. Mm-hmm. I'm ready. We've come this far. I believe 27 years apart. Yeah. Um, 
So I I am so excited. There, there's a lot does happen in this section. We get the actual cos- cosmic battle rendered in much more detail than ha- it has been previously. Oh yeah. Um, the friendships come to a head. So let's let's just dive right in again. As a reminder, if you're coming to this. Um, and this is your first episode of our it coverage for your ears, you might want to go back. Um, we do discuss the structure, the format, the hook, mm. things that we would typically discuss in a single a single book episode um, in our previous it episodes. But here we do things a little differently since we are um, we've already established a lot of the characters and a lot of the structure of the book. We kind of just dive right into um, a section that we call heroes and villains. I'm gonna have to kill this fucking clown. Welcome to the Losers Club, asshole! All right, part five, the ritual of chewed. And we're going to say chewed. That's how I choose to say it. That's how you choose to say it. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Um, This starts with chapter 19 in the Watches of the Night. And I think we've been kind of going through chapter by chapter or thematic instance by thematic instance in Mm. the past and examining characters as we encounter them. And I have no inclination to break up that pattern unless anyone objects. No, I think especially this part, it's, it's almost impossible to jump around too much because it just goes, it barrels through all the way to the end in real time in both. Right. Right. So actually we, we should actually talk about that structure real quick. Every, every heading here, um, gives us some context in italics. It's like either a location or um, it can be something as simple as like underground or out or whatever, or it can be like a character name, like mm. for from Tom's perspective, um, usually a time, sometimes a year. Sometimes it can be confusing because we're really whiplashing between um, the two time periods and to the point where things are cut off mid-sentence and we're going from the kids to the adults back to the kids in a way that feels climactic to oh, me. Oh, absolutely. I mean, we're getting two <laughs> final acts, two climaxes at the same time. Very uh, unique. Much like Bev later on. Oh my yeah, god. Thank you. Thank you, Mac. Oh, Thanks for fun. jumping on that one. Wow. Well, we'll get <laughs> hey, to that. I also like that this chapter starts off with 19. Oh yeah, you're right. Of course it's out it's where it all ends. I've got some nineteen for King's Dominion later on too. Oh so don't worry. It'll be a lot of fun. Uh, I I, I'm in, very interested in that. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I always wonder which of the brothers is going to be more of a conspiracy theorist. Or <laughs> well, hey. uh, beep, beep, Mel, because it's going to be me this episode. <laughs> I can tell you that. I, I don't know. There's so much Dark Tower shit that I'm interested in. Oh, in, oh in my God. God. Yeah. Yes. Uh, um, yeah, I kind of I have that category, the the things I glean along the beam. But oh, my God, it's almost too much. I almost had to just be like, you know, what, we're just going to talk about it as it happens, because yeah. if I separated it, it'd be like half the fucking section. I feel like it's so weird when I'm reading when I was reading this and I'm thinking of all these things that I'm probably missing from other King's books. And I'm thinking in my head about all of you all going, oh my God, and oh my God. So it took me so much longer to read through this chapter because I was like trying so hard to see something that I would, it'd be impossible for me to see because I have no idea what I'm looking for. Well, well there's the one, there's one huge one that I totally forgot about that I'm very excited about. <laughs> I think <laughs> we might be on the same page here. It might yeah. be in this chapter as well. So, or this, this particular section, we'll see. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, we can look at the quotes here. Part five, The Ritual of Chewed. We get another quote from William Carlos Williams from his epic poem, Patterson, which again is about a town, a man as a town, the decay of a town. Um, and it certainly matches up well here. And Absolutely. then we have Carl Shapiro travelogue for exiles, which I'm not really familiar with. Um, mm. And I, I guess I read this now having read the book, this 
this quote, look and remember, look upon this land far, far across the factories and the grass. Surely there, surely they will let you pass. Speak then and ask the forest and the loam. What do you hear? What does the land command? The earth is taken. This is not your home. Hmm. I, I guess maybe I read that as a incantation against it. Hmm. Um, but I don't I, know if anyone has other takes. No, I think you're right. That plays, especially if you look at the first part having to do with it specifically, and then this having to do with the rejection of it. You know, mm-hmm. I, that, that makes sense in terms of how they're presented back to back like that. Yeah. Let's ask Steven. Hold on. Let me give him a call. <laughs> okay, sure. Can we get him on the phone? Sure. <laughs> oh, he's not answering. He's too busy with uh, Molly, the thing of evil right now. All right, one day. But we're going to get, we'll go ahead and just say that ours is a definitive answer. It is absolutely, that is absolutely correct what we said. I wonder if he even remembers, like, it'd be interesting to, to be like, this quote, why did you put it here? Like, I feel like I would forget. If well, you know, like this is still, good. we're still in the, that cocaine king uh, train right now. So it's possible right. that he might not remember exactly why he went there <laughs> with a couple things for that. Maybe matter. he'll remember the cocaine he was on while doing it. That might be. He's like, I forgot. So I must've been on cocaine. So we start, we're, we're back in the library. We've just remembered all the events at Niebolt street. I say Niebolt. I don't. Yeah. I say Niebolt too. I think it maybe it's Niebolt, but it just sounds better as Niebolt. It yeah, it definitely does. I know the NEI, but come on. Are you guys going to say that, that is definitive? Sounds better. I'm just gonna call it Chude Street <laughs> to make it easier. Chud Chud Road. Chud Road. Um, Chud Road. <laughs> Cross the road, the Chud Road. Um, spoken by Judd. Oh, so wow. Judd's on the Chud Road. Anyway, right. oh, so they're, they're they kind of have to go their separate ways for the night, but first they experience some weird surge of of power and link hands and it's kind of just an affirmation that they're where they need to be and the battle is about to start again mike stays in the library which is important Mm -hmm. he wants to kind of write down some secretarial minutes and beverly leaves with bill and then we get the kind of escalation with her with her father tell me if i'm skipping over anything no you're right that's the first thing yeah i mean that's a brief moment and it kind of sets up what's going to happen for the the adults the rest of the way and then, yeah, we do flash back to Bev's um, encounter with her father, at least the last one that we see in this book. Yeah, I forgot so much about how this goes down. I forgot that he the mud on his shoes is so terrifying to me that he actually that her father actually went down to spy on them in the barrens and was there at some point in time just watching them. But like that he also waited till she got home. It wasn't like, yeah, because that's to me creepier than like just trouncing there. Yeah, she would have been in trouble and probably would try to beat her then. But like the fact that he just sat there and waited and meditated on it, too. Well, it's probably psychologically will screw her up, too, because Mm -hmm. obviously she would assume that if she got caught, she would get called out immediately. But making her wait to come all the way home and then still waiting a little bit longer and then jumping on it is uh, disturbing. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Father of the year, by the way. We should we should talk about Elmarsh probably. This is his this is his last appearance. It is. Well, and this is also important because Bev sees it working through him. This is one of those instances where you see him kind of corrupting the adults. Really, I think there's a quote I'll read it says, uh, Bev suddenly understood that she was alone in the apartment with it, alone with it on this on this dozy August morning. There was not the thick sense of power and untinctured evil she had felt in the house on Nebolt Street. Thank you very much. A week and a half ago. It had been diluted somehow by her father's essential humanity, but it was here working through him. So are we supposed to believe that he's actually a good guy that this, that no. it, it has been working through no. him the whole time? She even, says, she even says later, you, you let it in. Yeah. Okay. Um, I mean, okay. think about who it's he works mix. through. He works through um, Al. He works through Henry. He works through Tom Rogan. I mean, these are 
bad people to begin with. And I think it makes it much easier to corrupt evil. Yeah. You know? So, yeah, I think totally. it's just, it's also just an example of him always being present in the town in some capacity, you know, whenever it, yeah. I mean, it is like, like it says in that passage, it is his town, you know? Right. And although to your point, Mac, and, and I think to the book's credit, we do get these flashes of love that she's experienced with her father as she's running from him. The memories of her, of him, like trying to braid her hair um, and making cinnamon eggnogs. And it's, it's just very sad. This whole, that's going to be right. a theme of this. This ending is yeah. so sad on so many levels. So yeah. tragic um, does not redeem him at all, but complicates him in a way that I, again, I will just reiterate. I don't think we get with Tom. And so it's, it's more real to me and um, all the more tragic and awful that he is this terrible, abusive guy in this moment. Yeah, no, I agree with you. That's that's the the point I was trying to make in the first episode was that we get a lot more of Al's background and glimpses of those moments where what makes it so confusing for her, you know, it's a it's a brutal conditioning that happens. I think yeah. when you're when that happens when you're younger, at least from friends of mine have discussed these things, you know. It kind of was weird, too, because I just like specifically with the relationship between Bev and her father, but then like an overall theme of the book of just like nothing is squeaky clean, nothing is simple. And yet there's a part and um, I wrote it in my notes for something else. Basically, that life, the answers can be simple when you're a child, because there's not as many complex things to mm -hmm. worry about and deal with. But in the same time point and frame these kids are dealing with very conflicting like bub's dealing with something that should be simple you should hate your father because he's beating the crap out of you and he's abusive and he's taking advantage of you but at the same time it's intermixed with those memories of something good of mm -hmm. like what changed so it's like this con this battle between things should be easy and simple and squeaky clean and there's a happy ending and everyone lives but that's not true because life is dirty and complex and there's grays and yellows and blues and everything. Mm. And it's, I mean, it's easy for her to hate it because all she knows of it is the evil. There's mm. no, and it's kind of in that passage I read, there's no humanity in it. Whereas mm -hmm. there's ultimately still some humanity in these other characters, even though like they suck, obviously. Mm. But there's right. still an essence there that it does not have. Well, and it's so scary, too, because there's parts of the abuse she doesn't quite understand. And here we, we achieve some of that understanding where she finally realizes like, oh, she thinks I've had sex with these boys. And this is kind of about his ownership of me in that way. And we get the first kind of explicit sexual order from him towards her. Yeah. And it's it's not really comprehensible, but she but she sort of gets it and it keeps echoing around in her mind the order that he gives her to take her pants off and i it's just brutal you know, like <laughs> no i i totally forgot about that part in the book about this moment at least when he's telling her to take her pants off totally forgot mm -hmm. about that part because i think maybe something happened similar in the movie and i thought oh that, why'd they do that that doesn't happen in the book mm -hmm. but I've, obviously it does happen in the book and it's it's a tough read obviously yeah well and i know i mean we get the kind of like <laughs> vocal component of that when pennywise is is posing as mrs kirsch and as her mm -hmm. father which is obviously mm -hmm. way more vulgar yeah. um but yeah, just coupled with this, it's like everything is coming to fruition. Everything is coming together and it's it's terrible. And she has to escape and she runs away. And I, I feel so bad for her in all these moments because she cannot catch a break. It's yeah. like she escapes from her dad. <laughs> Every time all, you try to breathe for stalked. her, it's, yeah. it's like, fuck, really again? <laughs> and even when she finally you know gets out and, and tries to run away, this is another example of there's a lot of sequences in this book that are really effective where a chase goes on longer than you think it's going to go on. Mm -hmm. Like, especially we talked about this earlier when uh, Richie and Bill are running from the werewolf from Nebel street. 
and it just keeps going on. You, you, in most they horror, it just ends away. once they get out of the yeah. house, you know. Yeah. But the chase keeps happening in public, and this, you know, in the, in the afternoon, and once again seeing how the town just, just turns its back it. yeah. and just doesn't is not affected by it at all. It's kind of a callback to the uh, the fourth interlude when that uh, what's his name uh, Hero or what's his name the Hero uh, Edgar. Yeah, he tells that story about the, oh, the, the union guy who goes on an axe killing spree oh, and nobody does anything. Or Haru. Yeah, yeah. Haru. some some great name I forgot what it was, but um, it, it kind of it sets this up I think in terms of the the complicit ignorance of the town when when bad things are happening around and especially when they're happening on a specific time when the uh, the period of it is about to end. Mm. And even if they do, like, kind of shake themselves from that, like, deep haze, like that old woman who stopped, like, yeah. they're powerless still to do anything because they've, I don't know, I guess maybe they've been in that girl for too long or, like, it just, because Henry, I don't know, if I was that old yeah, woman, Yeah, I would also run. I mean, I don't blame her I for... I was telling yeah. her to run over him with the car, but that would have been me. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Back in reverse. Right. The, the book is, like... 200 pages shorter <laughs> and then they got You're down the sewers and they thinking. killed it and you know that was it it yeah. was fun <laughs> this is an interesting i i never really realized this just on the subject of al marsh we don't see him again and we don't see like i don't know not a reconciliation but like beverly has to go home at the end of the book mm. like yeah. we don't know we don't really know what happens at that point maybe he doesn't remember Maybe she doesn't remember, but I thought it was it was a weird loose end for me that I was like, how do they go on living with each other? I think that goes uh. to your point of them not remembering, because at one point, I don't remember what page, but it's like Bill's walking home after it's all done. He's like <laughs> whistling. Like at first he starts thinking about supper and then he starts whistling mm -hmm. and it's just kind of like slowly forgetting because i mean if you've just been through a traumatic experience, you're not like whistling, like going home and like thinking about what you're going to eat. You're like traumatized i would think so i think they probably all forgot and just there was just the turmoil of the town falling apart that kind of took over everything else i i think yeah i, I agree i think the i also think the extreme of what al was doing was so informed by like it's by it yeah and so that also probably plays a part i wouldn't be surprised if again it was just one of those situations where he had forgotten about it by the time she got back home and, and you know she had probably forgotten about it as well that's how powerful that presence was in the town and then it's gone it's just I can't even imagine what the feeling would be like. And I never do. I never want to know. All right. So we get this is so jumpy. It's so jumpy around. We we go um, from Beverly escaping from her father and being stalked by the bullies to Mike back at the library, mm -hmm. finishing up his notes. Still overnight. Feel, yeah. Still overnight, feeling all of a sudden like he's not alone, like he's being watched. Um, and I found this a very, very scary sequence Yes, yes, it does. Uh, yes. because of the sheer physicality of the thing that's coming after him, as opposed to the more abstract terrors that it can throw at you. There's an actual man in here and he's like coming down this corridor, slowly getting revealed. And it's, it's Henry Bowers out for blood. I feel like it's, at first he probably did just think it was Pennywise right. screwing with him again because he'd done it a couple times already to him. He did it privately and he did it with the group. And then I just, you know. There's no way he would have thought Henry Bowers was going to be in that library. Oh, I can't yeah. imagine yeah. what the brain would register, you know. But then he also just talks about at one point, like he had really like these random off thoughts, which I kind of like that King uses throughout the story of like, I'm in a moment of terror, but like I also have these strange random thoughts. And he's like, I haven't read the paper in a few days. I haven't listened to the radio. I do that every day. Mm -hmm. Like he would have known if, but like something had pushed him to not be on his daily schedule. Not right. Yeah. Those, that, those parts are so scary to me too. <laughs> 
just these little, little ticks that you don't engage in and it's fatal or it can be. Um, and this feels, I mean, I do feel like the, it's the most personal bully bullied relationship between Mike and Henry. So it, it feels natural that this is the confrontation that we get. That's like, has the most weight to it with Henry. Um, what do you guys think? I mean, we should talk about Mike too, because he's kind of out of commission after this, at least in a, in a physical way. I think something important is that if you think about it, there's a, there's a Parker where they say, you know, if, if Mike really wanted to, he could have killed Henry. There's a certain point where I think he Mm -hmm. had the knife or he had some sharp object and could have, but the inherent goodness of Mike, I think, prevents him from doing this. Right. You know, yeah. and I, I wonder what that would have done for the rest of the book if he had killed Henry right then and there. Probably but he couldn't do it. You know, through the night. <laughs> yeah, just... I mean, he went to Eddie next, and they would have gone the next morning, I guess. <laughs> but then, but then again, yeah. like they said, you know, it feels like the town would somehow conspire against Mike and blame Mike for the murder, yeah, and then yeah. they'd all be in jail. I think a similar outcome would have happened. Right. And and had he had he killed him and not been as damaged and been able to go with them, I don't know if he would have survived. I think this was even though well, I guess the the turtle's dead. Uh, (laughs) Or is it? I think. Yeah, I think this was as much as this was it's doing. I think it was kind of a way of kind of saving Mike Mm. because he's not in harm's way. And then they're able to protect him from that other assailant later on. Um, by sending their power. That's right. <laughs> um, so I kind of see, like, I, I kind of feel like he gets saved in a way by by this act, but not by it. You know, I just think mm-hmm. that if had he gone, I don't know if he would have made it out. I wonder if this was fate or the other or the, the other turtles' course, way of yeah. um, saying you've turtle- done your job for twenty seven years. Yeah. Thank it's time you. for these jokers. You let these people to go. Let in, these right? people do something for once in their lives. You know? <laughs> yeah, well, yeah. But when Adults. you're reading it for the first time, I felt like so much dread. I mean, having their diminished number, having their number diminished by Stan alone was already like, oh fuck, and they pulled this off, and now Mike's in the mm-hmm. hospital. I know, and you really start to doubt. Like, there's only five of them. I know. And I thought that he was, I remember the first time I, I saw the movie, of course, beforehand, I thought he was going to, I thought he died. Yeah. Oh yeah. Well, they, the they weren't sure though. He was like still in critical care. So. Yeah. And even throughout this. Yeah. It's, it's, yeah, I don't know, but uh very intense part. And anytime you deal with, again, with, for me, bones going the wrong direction or like mm-hmm. femoral yeah. arteries being cut, uh, pass. Yeah. How do you pass out and keep pass. it together? At the same I would, time? If that happened to me, there's no way I would have the wherewithal to say, like, let me let me try a tourniquet. I would just start screaming and squeezing the wound or something like that. I, I'd be like, please, God, get me out of here. Visual imagery. Oh. Uh, fight or flight, I'd probably like just go sleep. You know, oh. that's my that's my thing. This is why he's Mike Hamlin. That's why he's Mike Hamlin. I'm not Mike Hamlin. I say, oh, there you go. Another really scary thing when he's trying to call for help and mm. it's just Pennywise oh, and, and he doesn't phone. know oh, if he's Very actually effective. gotten through yes, to anybody. Yes. And he's like, I'm just talking to anything. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And was... but Pennywise just keeps talking and saying hello, hello. It's just creepy. Yeah, I agree. That's that's really cool part there too. Yeah, I think that might be in my cemetery section as well. Mm. It made me think a lot. I mean, just because of how racially charged their whole relationship is, mm-hmm. and how Mike and his father are just like kind of stand-ins for conservative victimhood is all I know America and mm-hmm. I don't know it, like I, I just felt like this was coming to a head and it, it the metaphor of that like was very effective for me I feel like yeah in that sense it's like everyone comes away scarred and bloodied and it, there was no clear answer to it's not like Stephen King was trying to answer that question too i feel yeah. like that's that was stated it was just like 
it just is bloody and terrible and everyone goes away with some sort of scar. Sometimes the femoral artery gets cut. Yeah. Yeah. You pass. That's just a hard pass. <laughs> Well, I now mean, I know what to do when I cut, get cut on yeah. my leg. But and Henry does. We also have to mention though. Henry does get hurt here, like you said. Mm. Henry does. Oh get yeah, pretty cut badly. Pretty he gets badly, stabbed yeah. in the belly. Yeah, he sure does. Mm. Yeah. Um, um. And then. Then we go back to Bill and Bev. Mm. Yep. Well, actually, does it? this part. What's well, Henry? Oh, Henry is stalking Henry. Bevan in this little brief flashback again. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and that's when he. That's when it's revealed that the moon has started to talk to him. Mm. And this is when the old lady stops the car and And says, stop what you're doing. And Henry, Bev even says, he has a knife. He has a knife. Please help. Um, And Henry goes inside his house. Yeah, puts his paper away. And then the old lady gets chased. And then again, we're back uh, in the present again. And this is, I think, Bev and Bill's moments. They're um, tender moments. Tender (laughs) moments. And then she also reveals here that she is, she reveals the truth about Tom. Right, she's been lying this whole time. Yeah, and she confesses, you know, I, I think he, my father would have approved of Tom because they both always worried about me. Her worried is in, like, overbearing, you know, behavior around her. And then, of course, a little pound cake. Little tender, <laughs> we'll, we'll little tender the, pound cake. We'll get to the pound cake during wait. pound cake. Yeah. But there I, is no, a bit of a... Not as, it's not as bad as... It's not. Things. It's yeah. definitely not. But there's definitely some pound there's cake There's some... On. It's like a Dece- slice, you know? There's some decent stuff, but then there's a couple of lines in there that are... It's a sample at a grocery store. <laughs> and then a little cup, they serve it to you, you know? It's a little Gave bit, a little taste. Yeah. Like, do you want some more of this or not? Um, there's um, also a little bit of has- uh, a little shaming going on here. Because if they had just gone back to their rooms, Bev would have seen oh, that Kay had called and, and, and would have Audra's warned her. Called. Yeah, and Audra's called, yeah. So, uh, burn. a little shaming going on here by Stephen King. There's also the shaming Mike the, for not putting a, a a knife in Henry's neck, and then shaming Bev and Bill for for hooking always, up. Always, always, uh, I always thought it's the first time I'm reading it. The, <laughs> the, the, this section when when they're like getting and getting it on, and then all of a sudden out of nowhere, she's just like, "All of you, I made love to yeah. all of you." It's like, strange, I remember reading this like, "What the line. fuck and are you talking like, about?" What? <laughs> I was like, oh, I, pull out, pull uh, out. That's that's what she said. Um, I was like, you know, here, here, here comes some of the groundwork for later on. I thought, uh, oh, maybe the, she's the, being metaphorical. Like, <laughs> yeah, right. Oh, nope. Yeah, well, I knew, I know what's coming. So, I, I mean, so that's what I, she also said. Me, oh, um, okay, we Jesus got a lot of we, we, we could go on and on, and like again, that's what they were doing. Um, yeah. So then, then we once again go back, Mel, and that is when we learn about. Um, Ben or Henry getting that knife from a Mr. Robert Gray. Once again, a name that's never explained, which is creepy as hell. Love it. And Wait, I want to. I want to oh, go yeah. back just so quickly to the fact that I'm. I'm not even a huge fan of the way the the invisible hand is felt in this sex scene because of Bill thinking about his wife and he's like, I just need to hold the thought in my mind that I'm cheating on Audra. Like, what does like, that make right. me feel like? Like, like and does like, that make you it's supposed to make you feel better? Yeah, I was. <laughs> But he can't do it. Like it's it's this is so fated to happen that like oh, yeah. there's no culpability whatsoever. <laughs> and it's just King being like, Look, if you're ever in this situation, it's okay to sleep with your childhood friend. It's okay <laughs> if it's been twenty seven years and you swore to come back to kill a killer clown from outer, outer space. space. It's totally fine. It's then. fine. I you just know? there's echoes of the dead zone and yes. it just feels very personal. <laughs> 
uh, yeah, I, him, maybe. yeah, there's a lot of affairs going on in King books. Um, we wish them and all, we wish him like, all the best. It's always like, we didn't get to consummate this when we were, when we wanted to. So and now it's like just only natural that we yeah. would consummate it. Maybe King knew, knew a clown when he was younger and you know, maybe he knew a uh, Bev when he was younger. <laughs> you know? Oh no, I mean, right. he, he was romantically involved yeah, with the clown. That's oh, what I, I would hope so. <laughs> Who isn't? Who isn't attracted to clowns? I mean, orange puffs, red uh, nose, white makeup, red tufts of hair. <laughs> I imagine my clowns as giant ravens with orange puffs on their tongues. Ooh. Oh, I like my clowns in full clown getup, but like a Doberman head. I think that's also a lot of fun. <laughs> it okay, answers, so it, it we... answers all my questions. <laughs> we, get, anyway. we get Bev hiding with Ben in the clubhouse. They they share some tender moments that are really nice. I, I think this was like so much more deftly handled than I would expect of King. Yeah. Like I was, I was always waiting for the other shoe to drop and have someone be like, but he was fat and therefore ugly and she could never love him. Or, <laughs> yeah. But they really, he really actually gives a lot of like validity to the love that they share. I, I agree. I, yeah. I've got some of these little passages in, in uh, my word processor, of the gods for later on. Yeah. I, I think it's but, really sweet the way and it, it feels like 11 or 12 year old behavior. You know, it really does, especially how close they were that summer. You know, it feels older to me. It felt older than that, though. I mean, it, well, this is where she reveals that she she knows that he wrote the yeah poem, yeah. Right? yeah yeah yeah. It's very touching. I don't know, but also while Henry's talking, we get a little information, like I said, from King about the knife and how he mm, yes, kind of yes. almost under a spell just goes up to Butch Bowers, who's been who's passed out from drinking, and just holds the knife there mm. for a minute, and then and then it's okay oof. to do it. And then kills him off right then and there. And now we know that Henry's gone. To quote Billy Crystal, you went too far. <laughs> so three episodes in a row, I made a Billy Crystal wow. reference. Yeah, It's a great, um, it's a very unique death. Like, I wonder if that would actually happen. You yeah. hold a switchblade up. That's what my question was. Yeah, I wonder if yeah. they were just trying to intimate that it was so sharp. You know, and it, it this was not like any other switchblade. It was a Pennywise switchblade. What, so. if it, what if it was signed like Mr. Robert Gray on oh, it? Oh, <laughs> with, balloon, with balloons. <laughs> balloons but on it the is, That ease, Maybe. it's like all you have to do is push a button. Like yeah. you don't even mm. have to stab. You just push a button. Bam. Slides right through. I guess if you do get like the, the fleshy part of the neck, I guess. Mm. Let us let me test this out real quick. I know. Do we have a knife? That <laughs> oh, I carry around a switchblade all the time. With a button release though. That's the, I don't have a button release. Oh, no. Mine's uh, are cool. Like. Yeah. I think I used to have a comb that was a button release yeah that was pretty cool we were, we were yeah, greasers we were back cool in the day kids, too you know? okay so yeah like like you said mel i mean this thing flashes back and forth really well but i i like mm-hmm. the pacing wise i think this is one of like the best climaxes of any of his books oh, yeah. just because it's just boom it's it's five o'clock here it's three o'clock over there it's five twelve here it's three i mean it is moving in real time essentially and i and uh it works really well especially when you're having to deal with again two climaxes but so after this, we're then back to the present. And Mel, is this what you're talking about when a it, certain oh, somebody comes is. up, yeah. Belch comes up in a certain car? Mm. A certain make and model of car. Love it. I'm, I'm all aboard. Yeah, I'm, I'm all aboard. Well. It's Christine, baby. I mentioned this to Justin because I was reading it ahead of him. Yeah. And he's read it multiple times. And I said, and I mentioned this, but I didn't say exactly what it was. I just said, huge, huge King's Dominion just happened in this portion of the book and he could not tell me what he couldn't even remember what it well, was. I thought this actually happened I thought, earlier. How did you forget this? No, I thought that okay. this had happened earlier. Uh, okay. I thought that I thought that this moment <laughs> happened. See, what I thought it happened when I, my memory was that um, Butch and Christine pick him up when he gets out of Juniper Hill. 
Mm. See, I thought it happened earlier. I didn't realize it happened this late in the book. Listen, after after Mike Hanlon was attacked, I didn't realize. Well, I had that. never, I had never appreciated this until until now. After I'd read Christine, when I first, I've read it multiple times and never thought anything of this moment. Just that it was like a car that King liked. Yeah. But well, I like about the, this, and like like for Asia too. I feel even if you like the Easter eggs, you don't have to get the right. Easter eggs right off the bat. It still works. It's not like it's some. It's like Star I knew Wars thing, it was you know? something important, and yeah. especially because they go into like how Henry's father wanted that car. He's going to be buried in that car. So I was like, I know there's something here. Oh, that's so just, awesome. Uh, mm. Yeah. Yeah. All aboard. It just mirrors the parallel like of, of Belch being a corpse in front, just like mm. happens in, in Christine. Yep. Um, you're always being driven around with or by a corpse. It's just a, good, a great little nod. And... Do you, well, we'll talk about this. I've got a little cemetery portion for this uh, Christine moment. But anyway, we're all happy to see Christine. I feel like if this wasn't handled as well, it's, this could have been one of those kings stomping on the brakes and kind of taking us out of the action. But if anything, this is keeping the action going. You know, he's taking Henry we, to go kill yeah. somebody else, you know. Yeah. And we She's get more Henry development. We get like a flicker of guilt for leaving his friend behind in those tunnels. Yeah. I, you know, I wonder, though, if it's more guilt because of the fear that yeah. Butch is going to do oh, yeah, something definitely. to him, you know? Yeah. <laughs> like, oh, totally, he keeps yeah. looking at him like, oh. Belch doesn't say anything. He just like turns at him, looks at him every so often and then goes back. And Ugh. like, the, well, that's cemetery for me too. So I won't get into yeah. that line. But yeah, that whole car scene. <sighs> Butch wanna, and Vic are not wanna, in good shape. I don't want to get too sidetracked, but when I was researching this, because I was curious if this was supposed to actually be Christine. They're, they said that in the stand that Stu and Tom find a Plymouth Fury and that there was a on a keychain it said ACs like so it's supposed to be RG Cunningham so it's supposed to be in that universe how do I not remember that and, and that's why I was like I need to go back and look at that because I don't remember that happening I don't well, remember covering that I think Christine you, can drive along the beam oh I, I oh, oh yeah is, yeah she is Fury she's an old she ghost car absolutely but you know there's certain Dark Tower books that kind of allude that the stand takes place in a different where and when. But we'll right, talk right. about that in about two years when we start doing some more Dark Tower. <laughs> um, later Dark Tower books. Yeah. But anyway. A good, a good two years. Yeah. And so once again, though, we're, we're back to the past. And this is when Bill and the Losers well, decide. Henry, let's Henry do it. goes to see Eddie. Oh, yes. yeah, that's yeah, right. Gets, that's right. He gets that's dropped right. off at Eddie at, at the townhouse and he gets a great little I love when King puts in these little visuals. We get a memo from Pennywise with all their room numbers, which is really creepy. Oh, is it the balloons? Uh, yeah. yeah, there's like balloon designs on there. He he has some flourishes now and then does our Mr. Robert Gray. So we just we don't actually get an attack yet. We get him coming to Eddie's door, Eddie answering the door, and then we flash back to the past again i love it because um, it's keeping you on edge chapter by chapter you know yeah, uh, yeah. or part by part i should say it, it's a it, it works for me i keep saying effective but god damn it it is effective you get some musings from eddie on religion in this section on blasphemy and religion and mm -hmm. on stan and being jewish and all, all religions being weird which has to do with belief and i i, I kind of wish he had gone a little bit further in there but what space did he have none um so it's fine it's <laughs> exactly i mean so this is also the part where the kids – oh, no, this is not the part. So then after this, don't we go back then to Eddie and – Yeah, then Henry? we get Eddie and Henry. Um, God, I – you know, arm break – I've broken my arm. Oh, uh, Just the <laughs> – how it breaks along the old break and it just sounds awful. <sighs> um, anyway. And I, I guess meant to be, but <laughs> – Mac and I Aisha. <laughs> well, we all like just, oh, God, Jesus. Yeah. But Aisha and I were um, just, we just locked eyes like, yeah, we never have. And we both knocked on wood yeah, at the same no. time. <laughs> I, I thought I did, but I just had a bad ankle sprain. I could have sworn I'd cracked that thing in half. But um, 
earlier in the book, I, I think Eddie is able to use his disadvantages to his advantage. You know, he's got acid reflux and he thinks, or does he really have acid reflux, you know? And then, the, but he's got that Perrier bottle because of that. So if he didn't have those issues, he would not have had that bottle maybe to help him in yeah. this instance. It's literally like signs. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Swing away, Eddie. Swing away. Um, but I'm happy that Eddie, after the shit that, once again, Henry put him through as a kid, I mean, he broke his arm. That was the most severe damage, I guess, besides Ben getting the initials in him. But I was um, very happy with my bloodthirsty mind to see Eddie uh, kill off Henry once and for all. Very happy for him. And and you really feel like Henry is an easy target. You, I mean, not Henry, but Eddie. You oh, think Eddie is going to probably get? Oh yeah, you're worried. Scene? Yeah. So of the all fact of them. that he is the one that's able to t- finally get Henry where it counts is intense. And of course, you know, you you said earlier the the arm break, obviously, just like the arm break when he was a kid. So yeah, we're all once yeah. again kind of going back into the regression and going back and in I, time. I do think it's it is important and and effective to use Justin's word mm. that he goes after Eddie here and that Eddie has this broken arm for the remainder of their terrible journey into the sewers. And it really just plays up how Eddie's resilience is like a hugely valuable quality. Like he might not be the one to jump forward and do something crazy innovative, but he is so loyal and so resilient that he will go through these sewers with a fucking broken arm. I know. Yeah. I mean, think about him. He was always running away from the bullies as a kid, but he's very brave when it comes to being with his friends and standing up to Pennywise multiple times just to, tr- to try to save the day. And poor little Eddie. We'll get to him later on, too, I guess. Oh, God. I'm thinking about the end. <laughs> Hasn't happened yet. And then okay. We go Hasn't back. happened yet. We go back to the Going past. Go back to the past. The losers meet up. Um, Bill and Mike and Eddie and co. are coming down to the Barrens to meet Ben and Bev. Um, and they kind of decide to like stand their ground. Basically Bill says, you know, this isn't their property. This is where we've been playing nobody owns this. Um, we're going to confront them and they get rocks thrown at them in a callback to the apocalyptic rock fight. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> let's see here. Well, this I think they all- also realize it's now or never because they start talking about how earlier in the day, it seemed like all the adults were ignoring them already. Oh my god, this is so freaky. Yeah, with, with the exception, yeah. with the exception, obviously of Audra's or Audra. Hey, there you go. I'm like Bill <laughs> of uh, Bev's father, <laughs> uh, you know, being used as a weapon against her. But everybody else is just almost acting like they're they're dead, you know, or, or already unwilling to help them. Whatever happens, which is right. Horrible. Even Eddie's mother is like not yeah. chastising him about going outside. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right. That's the most disturbing of all. If I was at right. Eddie, you know. Um, yeah, and so they, and, yeah, then they then they decide to go, right? They it's, and it's Bill says, "Take us to that drain," um, and they they go to that drain, and they're going down to the dark, and that's how this chapter ends. It's kind of just building up to going down beneath the city, and then yeah. we have a brief, um, three uninvited strangers moment here, where we are we we catch up with Tom and Audra, right? At this point, right? What, this what, is a very and... short chapter. Uh, <clears throat> oh, chapter yeah. twenty, the circle closes, and the first the first little bit is from Tom's perspective. And Tom is kind of being overlaid with Henry Bowers yeah, and makes experiencing, sense. yeah, this this memory dream thing as Henry and experiencing um, Beverly as a and knowing that she is back there with them is what keeps him from questioning this weird scenario, um, even though now he's seeing crazier and crazier things. I mean, he's basically the new Henry. Yeah. I mean, if, if it's not any more obvious than it is now, you know, 
where he's literally just dreaming that he is Henry. So, and he, and uh, passing the mantle. Yeah, I'm ex- passing the mantle exactly, and it is able to use again Tom's anger and hatred to his advantage. Just like he's able to use the same thing with with Almarsh and Henry. I'm interested why King chose to give Audra and Tom specific memories of like why did why did he feel it was necessary to connect Tom in that way as opposed to just you know I will say yeah I will say that I feel like it diminishes Audra to to be like well she's actually just Bev 2.0 and then Tom is kind of like Henry 2.0 I guess I you know I I think the thing with Audra is they, they did keep saying you know I think in the back of Bill's mind the attraction for Audra is because she reminded him of Bev, mm. and I, so no, I think it's natural. So shitty. Yeah. I know. But I, I'm just like, saying, but I think that's just the natural it. thing. That's like a memory, you know. And then that's why I think that's the reason they did hey, it. Look, you know, you know not, not everybody can be special. So that's right. I just I wish she had a little bit more agency. Like it literally is just like she loves him so much that she follows him. She's unaware that he's sleeping with Beverly, who's like the better version of her. Mm-hmm. And then she gets kidnapped and hung up in a cocoon. And and like that's literally. it. Like she, I don't know. I, I think her resolution and especially tom's resolution are a little un- no, I, should, I take that back i actually like the very end of this book i'm saying like where her character ends up for the climax is not very satisfying and tom's for me definitely not satisfying but we'll get to that a little, little bit later on yeah there's strange characters to to keep in here and then to have to done with what they do with them yes except like, again i do like the very very end but yeah it seems weird like we could have just i don't know well, again, like just like Tom dreams that uh, he's Henry, Audra dreams that she's Bev back when they were kids. And this is when we first are introduced to its door, that creepy little three foot door. And yeah, there's a moment here that when she wakes up and once again, you know, I think it's 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 it work. You know what? One might say it's effective <laughs> when Pennywise is you think that Pennywise is in the bathroom, but it turns out he just pops oh, up on the creepy. TV. And then oh, I've got some cemetery yeah, stuff yeah, here, too. Yeah, but yeah. Uh, so you think she's going to get out. But guess who's there? Good old Tom. Tom Rogan in the house. Tom Henry. Tom in the house. Tom and I, and he goes, have I seen you in the movies? Ugh, that's creepy. Yeah. <laughs> nice little chapter in, or nice little part in there. And, and back to Eddie's room. Back to Eddie's back room to Eddie's where the where the gang is there. And that's when they decide, look, I feel like if we call the cops, we will somehow be found mm-hmm. to be, we will be blamed and this will keep going on and, you know, we'll be screwed forever. So they call the hospital, and because caller ID doesn't exist, they can just be like, well, tell us about Mike. And the police chief is like, no, who are you? Right. Don't worry about it. Um, and I think this might be Richie's uh, funniest moment, though, is when they're all in the car, and he turns on the radio, and it's Georgie on the on the radio blaming Bill for you know his death and sending him out in the rain. And then it says, oh, Richie snapped the radio off so hard the nub spun away and hit the floor mat. Uh, rock and roll in the sticks really sucks, huh? I mean, I think the way that's like a natural. Let's let's try to you know lighten the mood here. I, I kind of chuckled at that. I, I yeah. did. I was, Eddie, I mean Richie, finally won me back. Maybe I'll go see a stand-up show if he was playing at the you know like the rib or something like that. Maybe I'll go out there. He's got a great line later on towards the end that uh, I, I've highlighted as well. I think Eddie has the funniest line in this section, which I'm sure we will get to, and I'm very excited about it. Um, oh, maybe we have. Yeah, I don't know if I, I got it. I'm looking forward to hearing this one. Or maybe I do. I just haven't hit that part yet. But yeah, so, so yeah, we like get, you said, the we end, get there. The they, they go back to the Barons. They kind of muse about how everything is looking pretty much the same, if a little bit more overgrown. 
and we things start coming together in in a very technical textual way like we have eddie saying i'm scared bill again um even though they're adults now a lot of times we'll actually get copied and pasted bits of repeated text um actually i think we we missed one of those when henry has the switchblade when he's going at mike with it we get the switchblade described as like the exact same paragraph that we get when he goes after Beverly with it in the past. And I just thought that was really well done. And he doesn't overdo it. No, he definitely, um, yeah. I didn't even notice that, to be honest yeah. with you. But that's a good thing. I think it's just if you can kind of just make your illusions or make your references every now and then, you're not going to be constantly looking for it or expecting it. Right. So they go they go down. They yep. stood chin deep in the water and watched the others descend the ladder. And then we get really cool. I mean, I'm always a sucker for this. So chapter 21. Oh, wait, the but then there's something else that happens right before the chapter, though, is... They discover Audra's purse. Mm. Oh, that's right. We know Audra's down there and Bill's freaking out. Yeah. And He's then. Freaking out. And then. Here's the thing. I, I want to say something. I want to say something right now. I'm, what do you want to say, there's, You know Danny Boyle's Sunshine? Has everybody I seen that? I haven't seen it. Oh, okay. no. Well, a lot of people love the first, like, two thirds. And then they think that the last third just goes, like, off the rails. This is too crazy. I love the last third of Sunshine. <laughs> yeah, because it goes nuts and it's unexpected. And I'm, I'm one of these people, if you want to take me there, I'll go with you. Let's see what's going to happen here. I love all of this stuff that it's, we're about too. to talk about. I, I'm I do. a sucker for it. I am all, it is so crazy, but it's crazy in a controlled way. I think, I mean, I, I think it's handled really well. You know, you follow it and it makes sense ultimately, especially if you've, if you've read it multiple times. Again, the turtles mentioned throughout yeah. the book, you know, from the it first chapter. It feels like you had this. In mind, yeah. Like, yeah. this is a culmination. It's not, like, lost, you know. No. It's not like he, yeah. It's like he ran out of ideas and was like, let's go, let's go travel to some other dimension where there's a giant, a, enormous godlike turtle talking to you and, like, <laughs> making jokes and vomiting up the world. And I love it. Let's, I can't, I, I was thrilled. I love it. Yeah. So we get, we get our first bit from its perspective oh, yes. in italics. So we have a new character, kind of, or at least a deepened character to add to the pantheon here. Yeah, and again, is... a lot of times with with, with uh, villains, the less you know, the better. But this is such a huge character. Obviously, I have no problem learning a little bit more of the backstory of it right now, especially because it's all coming to an end. Mm. You know, I don't know how other people and it's feel. So, like... like almost, you can't really comprehend. It's it's written in a way that's just like it's so beyond our intelligence or even knowing yeah. that. It's being explained, but there's still so much we're probably not grasping or able to be illustrated here. You know, it's just like well, even it's, better. It's I think an example of its efficacy that I thought the word deadlights was sprinkled throughout this entire mm -hmm. book very liberally, mm -hmm. but we we really only get the deadlights in this last sliver. Yeah, yeah. you're right. But you're I was so right. scared of the deadlights as a child after reading this book, and I thought like it would rear its head almost immediately when I reopen the book. But no, you don't it's, get it's introduced cool. to them until here um, i also feel like it's interesting that they refer to the deadlights as alive too like this mm -hmm. contrast of like it's dead and it can like wipe you like you're basically make you non-existent and yet at the same time it's this living almost breathing thing which is kind of like how i feel when i think of it being described as like a character now of like having these hu very human emotions mm -hmm. which for me like i touched on this like at the end of the last podcast where i was like one of these questions i had is like why are we getting these human-like emotions now from it? Is it because he's been there for so he or she or it has been there <laughs> for so long that it's like 
somehow we've bled into it. You know what I mean? As like it's bled into dairy, dairy's bled into it, and it's become interchangeable. I, I think that's what it is because I think that it was. Yeah. They talk about when when in fifty eight it was the first time in its existence it ever felt pain. Mm. And so I think, you know, once you learn pain, I think that something does happen to you. Let me speak on behalf of these giant otherworldly creatures, yeah, if I may. I, <laughs> um, I think naturally, of course, one entity that's been around since the beginning of time would naturally become more human. <laughs> that's my take. Well, and I, I love the fact that it is a very simple being in that way. Mm-hmm. Even though when it scares people, it gets so into the nitty gritty of what they're scared of, the the voices that it does and the things that it says, it's so specific. But when you actually zoom out to what it feels, it's kind of just like this weird floating, simple, hungry yeah. thing. Like it's well, not really conscious of what it's doing no. in a way that is motivated. You know what I'm saying? Like, like it just it's a total reflection of what whoever whatever it is around. It really is just reflecting whatever people's fears are back at them. Yeah. So, so with this chapter is it's kind of like all of a sudden we realize, Oh, this is like a Lovecraftian thing. Like this thing spiraling from space into existence on earth. And there's two things that are way out of our even existence or intelligence, you know, floating or the, the the whole macroverse thing and Mm. the turtle and this, these, these larger than life, like beings, uh, kind of stumbling into our existence through, this thing I, I don't know it, it does all of a sudden it's like oh we're 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 totally in a different book <laughs> you oh know? yeah like, oh, like we've been in this book no, the whole time we realize we, we just were didn't in this know book. it yeah, yeah exactly. we got it we got a hint of it in the in the smoke lodge where they yeah have yeah absolutely absolutely but now we, even then you're like well is it just an alien like right, right. Yeah. He, he didn't want to blow our minds so he, this whole time all how many thousands of pages almost a thousand pages <laughs> he it's like, oh yeah, by the yeah, way, this is what you've been show reading. Us, he couldn't show us the face of it because we would all lose our minds <laughs> that right. too quick. Hey, I buy that excuse, whatever. <laughs> it's true because at this point, I, at this point when this is introduced, I'm like, I'm like with Justin, I, I, I'm like, I'll believe anything. Mm. Like we've gone this far. Nothing is beyond uh, comprehension. So I'm just like, oh, okay. Yeah, I totally buy this then. Yeah. Because it needs, you need to deliver on some level. And I think the reason that this has never worked in the the films are, or, or they didn't even tried to do it is because it's just at the you know, reason it works here. I think it's because it's so long and you get the, and you, you, you dive. So yeah, you That's dive so far into this that you're willing to go that extra mile to make it pay off, you know? And, but in the movies they are so short it, it's to, to do this and to do it, in a way that's believable, I don't think you can. Well, Gary Doberman did say that the he is going to do the Ritual of Chud in the the sequel. I don't know he how you do it, that. but I wonder. He, he promised. He, you know, what it's like it's like um, the only way they can do this would be to go the interstellar route, where Matthew McConaughey is just speaking exposition for twenty five minutes as to what's no, happening. No, well, I don't think that. <laughs> I don't want that to happen. I think that if they do do it in the, and now we're getting a little off track, but I think if they do do it in the movie, that it's going to be very cerebral. It's not. Yeah. It's going to be. Quick flashes and montages of, of like of like um the, the the telepathy battle between him and yeah. and it not the spider necessarily but like yeah. a weird yeah. distorted version of the clown, and then we might get a flash of like a turtle. We might get yeah. a flash. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, I feel like just as a nod to the fans. Yeah, my dream. Oh, artistic. you go. No, I was gonna say I think it, they're gonna try to go like I don't want artistic's probably not the right word that I want to use, but like you were saying, the flashes and like if you see the turtle or that flying through space, like that's an easy concept. But like when they're talking about biting the tongue and everything like that and it being very like a yeah. mental image like they're not they know they're not truly like biting tongue but like how do you perceive that it would be like flashes and images right. of things that but like you, can, you don't get a full 
Yeah, so that yeah. that's no. I agree. Be like a lot of intense close-ups of like eyes, like yeah. like as yes. you're yes. trying to clinch. <laughs> and you, well, and leaving, you can... leaving it unexplained would work for it. I would hope. Yeah, yeah. You I know, think kind of just yes. doing these flashes with no context mm. rewards the fans, and then also just gets into the whole unknowable theme anyway. Well, so I would I would hate it if they were like, well, and then he. You see him passing the turtle. We get the whole conversation. We see him going to some representation of the border between here and the deadlights. Like, it yeah. wouldn't work. No, well, I, I did read in on Reddit. I saw that there is a line at the end where Bill says, it was the turtle. The turtle was its power. <laughs> <laughs> Were you doing a Temple of Doom uh, reference? No, I'm doing a Crystal oh, Skull crystal reference. Skull <laughs> reference. Oh my god! Very good. Bring no, back the I agree. I hope it's very vague, and, and and obviously the fans will know it and they'll love it, and then the f- people that don't know it they'll we'll just hate like, this it. This is a trippy ending, right. and I don't care. And maybe they'll like it, but. I'll give Dobman credit if they really do try to do that. I'll, I'll I will give credit where credits. My due. dream is it all of a sudden becomes a, like it's a, it's a really fast paced horror movie for the for the for the for the century. But then all of a sudden there's like 25 minutes of of Bill just hovering <laughs> like by under the, the turtle, skin. and it's, it's just this really avant garde you know shoot. It becomes like a like a, like a widescreen no, movie. Head coming out of the shell slowly. <laughs> all oh, I can picture is, is like is like the blackness of uh, of under the skin. Yeah, mm-hmm. and, but just like Bill, and then like this giant turtle, it's and then it's all like of a sudden like <laughs> it's on IMAX, and then he's just like flying really quickly <laughs> right towards Ooh. the deadlights or something. I don't know. It's just like nuts. Good to see. That's you. how I was imagining it. So you know, that's, hey, that's how I do it. Gary Dobrin, you've been challenged. Twenty-five minutes. I want that to be a quarter of the movie is him talking to the turtle. Really piss people off. Where's the clown? Uh, anyway, sorry. Let's get back. I Let's get back. Who, uh, I want the clown. Really quickly, Where's though? he so cute? Where's Bill? Who, who would play the turtle? I've got Sam Elliott. Um, oh man, if Sam Elliott played the turtle. Let's go. That'd be freaking amazing. Now listen here, uh, Bill. Um, oh, let's just get the old. Let's just get uh, the actor that played Mike Hanlon in the in the miniseries. Oh. Tim He's Reed. Got such a great yeah. voice. Great voice. Yeah. Tim Reed, come back. Oh. Anyway. Our challenge issued. Gary Dobman. James Earl Jones, but you know. Oh, you know, that could also yeah. be good, though. I don't know. Do you, or or like Morgan Freeman or somebody, or somebody who narrates really well. Yeah. Well, Morgan Freeman would yeah. just be like another perfect king nod, I guess. Yeah. Hey, that's very true. Just have it be a him and Andy talking. Or, a Cla- Andy or Clancy it. Brown. Let's just bring Clancy, Clancy back. Brown. You know his voice work is so good. It is. He's been doing I never it for a joke while. about Clancy. Gargoyles and everything. Anyway, <laughs> anyway, we're in the sewers. We're we much like the uh, Madarin section. We're, we're like, whoa, where are we? But it's true. This is where the book starts to go crazy. Yeah, and oh, absolutely. You'll, I guess we've all established that we like that. Yes. Maybe you don't, but this it's is where it un- starts it's, to go It's crazy. understandably polarizing, yeah. you know, but oh, I, I do enjoy the hell out of this part. Yeah. So, yeah, well, we, we go back in, in the past and they discover Patrick's little, body. and We get yeah. a little breakdown from Stan. Um, we get a little bit of he's, – he's the one to start kind of like breakdown crying – um, I feel like he's trying to seed these little bits of like Stan's weakness throughout these sections, um, yeah. to, to pretty good effect. And yeah, we see Patrick's body. And then we are, um, we're back in the present again, or oh, we're back in the present for the first time with its with background. It. Mm-hmm. And, and we get these, we keep getting mentions of capital A, another, mm-hmm. um, something that's not the turtle, but that is more powerful than both it and the turtle. Mac will probably have something to say about this later. Um, Max, like, I don't know. <laughs> I think no, it has something I... to do with the deadlights in some way, though. It's something else, something right. or, or some well, other greater it's, presence it's to like, kind of explain it's a little like bit. The, it's, the, it's, it's the tower. 
I think. Yeah, it's yeah. supposed to be. It's, it's supposed, supposed to be, to be like Gan. the. Yes. 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 It's yes. supposed to be like the. So this the all makes sense. Wait, 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 wait. Yeah. Let me let me just. So the tower is supposed to be the another in this context, or is the deadlights area where the border is? Is that supposed to be the tower? I think the deadlights <laughs> is on the border, and then the beyond I, is not officially explained, but it feels like reading Future King that it's the dark tower. But again, it's, that's it's just, like it's, overarching God, yeah, Gan right. tower reality, like, but I guiding think, force. I think that is personally why I love this whole ending because I'm I am a big tower head, and I think that this is just it doubles down on that, and it's like, well, <laughs> even if you're not, and, and at this point, we don't even have drawing of the three yet. No, you know, so like He's this thinking. is really laying the groundwork for that kind of universe. Um, and I love it. A Mac reverse for that matter. Oh, uh, the Mac reverse. Mm-hmm. Oh, oh, God. <laughs> well, Sorry, so we get, we get, we get Audra and Tom from its perspective. Mm-hmm. I like how he describes Henry and Tom as dogs bodies. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's what kind of a cool, just I, like, I like that term. Just made up. I feel like that's just, you know, I, I, what's the best way to explain it? Just, uh, because you think about a dog can be vicious, I guess, and, and but in this context, the two of them are so useless; they're just entities, and they're just dogs' bodies. I feel like it's a oh, negative. Yeah, it's, it's, it's an actual word. It's yeah. a person who is given boring, menial tasks to do. I didn't know that. Mm. I thought it was another one of the words he made up. Oh, I thought he made it too. Well, yeah. there we go. I had to look, I looked up a few words, and they're like, "Hey, surprise! It's a word that King made up." It's like you <laughs> type in it just says, "Steve." Would you like to know more about Stephen King? <laughs> yeah, exactly. You're on like on the King Wiki but, already. So here, one thing I like. There's two things about this section. One I like a lot, and one I don't is I we learn about that that little aside about why Mike is so afraid of birds. Mm. Yes. It's that little memory of, that he wouldn't remember, obviously, as a, oh, as a kid yeah, growing yeah. up, but as a little baby mm. who's being pecked by. Yeah. And, of course, the bird to him would look giant, Yeah, which exactly. I thought was a nice little – oh, by the way, here's Mike's – here's my Mike's right But – wrapping everything up so nicely. <laughs> then we learn that Tom died. He's dead. Immediately. Immediately. Like, just looking what? at it. Just couldn't look at it and just like, Yeah. I mean, I it guess sort of it makes sense. Like his mind is too yeah. weak. Like, of course, it snaps, but it is a little unsatisfying. I thought he was yeah. going to use like Tom to like mess with them, and the, you know, I thought I was expecting a fight scene of yeah. some so weird, vicious bat. I don't yes. know. I was hundred percent. I, I could have. Well, my thing was, I feel like they should have just had Henry yeah. kidnap Audra or something and, and take her yeah. down to the sewers. Like, I feel like well, at this point, why do you even have Tom? Well, that's this the entire thing. time. It was it's missing just to get her down there. Like, mi- does she even need to get that? I don't know. It's, it's missing a little sequence where you know he's dragging. I, I, I don't know why they're already down there. Well, I guess they're following. No, they're down there before any yeah. Bev or any yeah. of those shows it up. Calls, so it calls it Tom calls Tom to him. But it would yeah. have been cool to actually see the sequence, like him dragging her down there, and then it coming. We see him see it, and he's just too weak and just totally dies, and then we. Instead of just it saying, oh, yeah, this, oh, this happened a few minutes ago. <laughs> then, By yeah. the way. Wait, what? <laughs> but we do find out here that it is female. Yeah, big reveal. Yeah. Huge I'm not reveal. kidding. I've read this book multiple times, and for some reason, I that never... You never remember I, that? that? I never remember that. It's like it's, I feel like the kids. Like I forget after every 15 <laughs> so years, and then it to comes me, back. And, and when did Aliens come out, Justin? Aliens was this year, actually, 86, the year the book came out. Because... So much of this ending. The 86, the year the book came out. So much of this ending. This year. Yeah, so much of this ending reminds me of that and and vice versa. The 
the it's like the queen and the crush the, the battle eggs. they crush the eggs you killed the my queen brother is upset. Yeah. Yeah, and then, yeah i'm not kidding True. and then it, yeah like bishop the android shows up Rich, richie's day. line he says hey bitch you're never too old to rock and roll <laughs> rock i love it let's love that line i love that as soon as they find out it's a female like they switch to female pejorative it's supposed like, to like fuck her it's like yeah. no you bitch or yeah 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. Hey, they're consistent i guess yeah yeah, so yeah, oh dear, yeah, Roger comes to realize, oh dear Jesus is female, and then we're I back like with. Then we start doing like the cross reference what's going on in the town now. Like as they start to battle, it is like what's happening in Derry at that moment. Yes, that's, that's just about to happen. Cause I think, but first, I think they encounter the crawling eye. Oh, yeah. yeah as kids. Oh, I, yeah. Love, I love the crawling love eye. The crawling Great eye, image. Yeah. Um, I it in the fight scene. <laughs> I, you know, I guess because well, I still get creeped out when I put myself back in the mindset of kids from the. 50s and mm. 60s and these cheapo horror movies That's and i can only imagine because yeah. like to me it's kind of like funny like i'm thinking about this eye rolling and maybe in the if this is really happening to me i wouldn't think it was funny <laughs> laugh at it. but like i think it's like this cheesy goofy like horror and then i'm like but back in that time like i'm a child raised on horror films and things like that so we've seen like these intensely masterful and like terribly cheesy and horribly made movies but like we have all these special effects and things to kind of help whereas yeah. back then like it was simple fears, and so I'm like, I have to like try to force myself to Definitely. think in that. Well, have you ever seen like I imagine it being like the blob, but yeah. a, but yeah. an eye, yeah. you know, like there, if you touch there, it, that it just tears you. That flip side is part you. of the of this sequence, you know, like just how if horror is unsuccessful, it becomes comedy, and vice versa. This is the line I was talking about from Eddie. Like I love, first of all, I love when Eddie sprays his aspirator on it and says. Um, battery acid, fuck nuts. <laughs> and it works. And then put that on like, my tombstone. And then he's like, "Fight it, Jesus Christ, you fucking pussies!" I'm doing the mashed potatoes all over it, and I got a broken arm. Yes. <laughs> I'm telling you, Eddie stands saying, up it's here. Just a fucking eye. It's That's an eye. <laughs> It's 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 a it's an awesome scene here, and yeah, but that's really also a callback to here. something I mentioned earlier after the um the Mister Mister Keen section where he finds out that the aspirator isn't actually mm-hmm. doesn't actually have any medicine, but there's some line that Eddie says where he says it only matters if you believe it it yeah. actually does work. And I love that that was kind of called back here where he's able to use it to his advantage once again, kind of like having that Perrier bottle in the present in the past. He was able to use the aspirator. And convince the the enemy that it, that it was real, and it saves them here. A lot of uh, deep thoughts here on Eddie and the crawling guy. <laughs> I do. I want to just a brief tangent about that. Like, as long as you believe it's real, like I feel like that message gets a little confused or muddled at different points. Mm-hmm. Like, it seems like belief is what gets them out of a mess. Because again, yeah, like Eddie believe, can believe in his in his aspirator. Yeah. But there are other moments where it's like, if you don't believe what it is doing, then you have some power. There's the, I'm thinking yeah. of the moment in Neibolt street where bill jumps up and hits the ceiling and shows Stan that it's not actually getting taller. The ceiling is still right here. There's still plaster, but that, that is like totally disproved by other kids that die in the book. Like the kid who's always looking for the zipper on the gill man who's saying, it's not real. It's not real. I don't believe it. But it kills him anyway. I wonder the if, the, if directly... the message there is ultimately, which I think the ultimate message of the book is, you know, you need your friends because all those people are also mm-hmm. by themselves yeah. and, yeah. They, and, they, and they have never talked to anybody else about it. Whereas I feel like these kids have kind of built up the it mythology and they have kind of started to figure out what works and what doesn't. And I think if you're also around your friends, you're just, 
you're stronger. I think maybe that's the other thing. Also, that makes sense. Yeah. I like that. Or yeah. even just like the Gilman thing, like that is directly it. You know, it's not like the ground was different and he thought it was like sand and not yeah. like mm-hmm. grass. You know what I mean? It's like he's touching this thing that doesn't really exist. And he probably deep down thinks it does exist. That's the other yeah, thing. Yeah. 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 It's like the old thing with vampires. Like you have to believe in the cross for it to really work on a vampire. You, you don't faith. really believe. Yeah. Which, yeah. You have to have faith. Faith and power was something that they've been talking about. Like, I feel like it's dropped off with him using the term faith now and mm. now turning into belief. Cause, and was it the dairy? Um, no, it was last in 1958. He used that like contact or that um, comparison a lot of faith and power, faith and power. And then like suddenly it's like belief. Belief is power. But mm. then is it, do we have belief as a child, as an adult? Like what happens to our forms of belief or what do we believe in as adults as opposed to kids? And the thing is, the the adults would never have come back. I don't, I don't believe unless it really wanted them to come back. And he, he even says that in the present when we get inside his own thoughts is that he wanted to actually have revenge on them. And he right. thought that he could get, he thought that he could actually defeat them because they were adults and that they lacked mm. that imagination that you need to have as a kid. But obviously, guess what? Backfires. Okay. You blew it. So it also <laughs> says you shouldn't you shouldn't want revenge on people. I think it's yeah. another positive Moral message. Of the story. That's uh, right. And then next they stumble across the mark of it on the door. The first they have the bird again. The oh. bird attacks oh, yeah. them. And Stan does have a little moment here too. I like Stan, um, who's obviously been um Cowardice is not the right word because I would also be very afraid of this mm. freaking creature. But he's been a little more hesitant than the other ones to deal with it. Yeah, he's a little more fragile. Yeah, but he really does stand up. And once again, he saves the day by uh, spouting off that bird knowledge. And even the birds he's never seen but claims to believe exist either way. Right. So he's actually like, – that's what you're saying too, Melly. He's actually using that belief there that something does exist in order to vanquish it, which is interesting. Think, There's a lot of explorations here. I like the kind of like – hint you get before they go under too from Bill because he asks like do you have your bird book so you're like you know Stan's gonna Stan the man's gonna step up <laughs> at one point you're just like so how is it because I of course since I haven't read this I wasn't expecting the bird scene to come into to play there but it's like Stan it's the, again Stan's character is so complex and these kids are so complex and yet it, there's a point where it's talking about how it prefers children because their fears are simple and mm-hmm. easy to understand but it's like is it though? There's superficial fears, yes, that, that kids have that are easy to understand, but like the imagination that they have that they're capable of capable of, I feel like adds so much more to it that that's that he wasn't aware of or like because they were more attuned to that part of themselves, it made them more made them more special than other kids, maybe. Or like I think mean? so. I, I agree. I, I do. I think that there was something unique about and they kept mentioning like the power of the seven of them mm-hmm. together and how they always mm-hmm. cast this weird light especially near the end of the book, there was just something about these kids well, it, that set them apart. Yeah, and, and it seems to be going after kind of like outcasts or people or these these kids that are lonely or don't maybe have friends, you know. They're kids in, in, a, in a school age where you don't necessarily have like a group of friends yet. You're still figuring that out. So everyone is kind of alone. Mm-hmm. And if, if you are, you know, too alone, it's going to come get you. The creature's going to rip your head off, man. Mm-hmm. Frankenstein's monster is going to rip your head off if you don't have friends gross truth Uh, or just Frankenstein as they yell out Um, it's Frankenstein it's the doctor it's the monster it's the doctor what if it really was just Dr. Frankenstein she's like hey (laughs) it's the monster (laughs) Um, I do like how they when they get to uh, when they get to its door and they all see different things yes Mm -hmm. I love this mark this this line gets repeated over and over throughout the book about the Billy Goat's Gruff 
Yes. Um, yeah, I think you guys, you talked about that in the first episode, right? How King kind of got the idea about there being a, a, a troll under yeah. mm-hmm. a bridge right. and, and the goats. Yeah. It's the exact line. The children lean forward, all the old fascination glistening in their eyes. Will the monster be bested or will it feed? That's in here like six so, times yeah. throughout the book. Yeah. And they had come to the place of it. And uh, this mark is so, I, I don't know, just something about it. And um, What do you see when you see that mark? Yeah. What do I see? Yeah. Uh, I see a, a dead turtle. <laughs> <Ooh>. <laughs> I see, I see Japanese lettering. <laughs> oh, okay. I'm right. like, I, I wish yeah, I it's could It's like remember. a pseudo Asian yeah. copy of, I don't know what he's trying to do there. But yeah. I feel like it's like some sort of kanji or something, but then I'm like, my Japanese is so bad. I don't remember <laughs> anything. So mm, I think we can't comprehend what it is. I think. Maybe it's a coffee stain <laughs> that he had one day and he's like, yes, yes, this is, this is the mark. <laughs> Yeah, he but, accidentally like messed up. He the dragged the pen down all of a sudden. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, geez. I want I want to talk about what they see. Like, sure. Stan sees a phoenix, the mm. bird, obviously. Uh, Mike sees a hooded face that also checks out. Uh, Bev sees a fist. Uh, Eddie a leper. Ben a mummy. Bill a paper goat. A goat paper That's goat. <laughs> Henry a moon. But yeah, Richie sees uh, two eyes behind spectacles. Like he's mm. just that almost just the. The embarrassment of kind of being a nerd, I guess, wearing glasses, as I could probably relate to as a child. But, but also, uh, you know what I kind of see in this symbol is like a seven with a dash through it. Oh, like the, like the lucky the seven. Club. Yeah, mm-hmm. maybe but, that's what um, it's maybe that's what it's afraid of. I, I can think see that. I think you're right. I think that's what Fear it seven. sees. Well, I we're couldn't seeing, get in touch with Stephen, so uh, yeah. that's absolutely what it is, and he's free to correct <laughs> us. But you can go ahead and spread it, put that on your Reddit and Wikipedia entries. Um, okay, now Aisha, what you're talking about? With uh, old timers. Oh, I was like, wait, what? <laughs> yeah. With, now we're starting to, we really cut back and forth between the old timer. I, th- I think for the first time since the Kitchener Ironworks explosion, a clock does not go off at the time mm, it's supposed yes. to go off. And everyone's like freaking out. Yeah. They don't know why they're freaking out. Yeah. yeah. I will say these are, I did not like these. I mean, yeah, I like what I they're skins. showing, but they really do make me mad when I get to them. Cause I'm like, okay, I don't care about yeah. like, I, you know, you can tell me a little bit slower or a little bit quicker, like what's going on in the town. If yeah. you but as it, it is, these really slow down the pacing. They're just like, mm, yeah. Of- if you had it, if you had each section of these cut down by half and then you also remove every other section of these, I think mm-hmm. it's fine to kind of show what's happening. It's, you know, literally the town is falling apart. We yeah. get it, you know, but I don't think we needed to have, all of this going I literally on ad nauseum page and there yeah. was like a whole block and i was like nope turn it was the like, <laughs> there goes the aladdin theater and there goes the the standpipe and there goes this and that like well, that's why the only the only other thing i did i liked dave gardner's like discovery mm-hmm. but that i yeah i felt like this bit. is a little too much i was yeah. like okay let's get back to what's actually happening i don't it's like i didn't care about dairy at that point like it's it's, it's going down period yeah. we got two like, other major climaxes going on i don't care if the, yeah, exactly. if, the if, if there's a flood about to happen we yeah. get it i mean a lot of this could have just been explained also um in the the last interlude or something like what happened to the town and that's fine if you want to talk about it then. Touch on it then again so yeah i don't know anyway but yeah i, I think that this this is a little uh, it seems like it was proof that like king put a lot of thought into this town and this now a, he has wor- to destroy it world building remember these ma- yeah. landmarks yeah um then bill sees georgie yeah um and he georgie again blames him for his death which is always the cruelest i think of all the the tauntings that the kids get obviously is is having georgie used against him and yeah, and this Georgia is when they're kids. Sorry, it's got it's again, it's getting really confusing. But yeah. this is back when they're kids. 
Um, yeah. He, they come across Georgie and Bev says, only you can you can kill this one or only you can face this one. Mm. And then, of course, we go back to the dairy falling apart. Um, <laughs> well, for, and first, Bill says the phrase. He says he thrusts his fists against the, the post. post. Still says he and sees still the ghost. insists he sees the ghosts, which is another thing that I thought was, again, sprinkled liberally throughout the entire book, but is not. It's very late in the game. So we go back to Mike in the present waking up and he discovers that it is trying to use who happens to actually be a brother of one of its victims from years earlier. Yeah, Cheryl uh, Locke, with his a, brother Mark. Yeah, <laughs> uh, approaching with a syringe. And here's the part. Lou just says something's wrong. Everybody bands together and sends Mike their power. And Mike you know, I was able to stop right. them. This um, is a this is a, this would be a misery if if I could point if I could have like a very isolated moment. But I hate how every time they come together and do something with their power, every time it focuses on each of them. When it focuses on Beverly, it's always like it was like she was fucking or yeah, having an yeah. orgasm. Oh she yeah, was like oh, in sexual. ecstasy. It's and, and everybody else just like her. hanging out, you know. Yeah, everybody else just hanging out. Yeah, but, uh, like, yeah. you know. And then once you, you know, have an orgy, you just everything is they, sexual. They might as well have an orgy, you know. At this point, um, so yeah, <laughs> well, you know, they they they, they save Mike. I, they could just could they just had Mike be strong enough to ward him off or something like that. They didn't have yeah. to have this moment of care bear care bear stare or whatever the well, hell. Well, the, the thing that bothered me about this, well, maybe it's because right? they're not all called? together. Yes. I think it's because they're not all together. But earlier on, you know, when he's in the hospital or not the hospital, when he's at the library being attacked. Maybe they each sent something, but because they weren't together, they didn't feel that it was Mike. Exactly. But here, I think everything's heightened now because they're they're there. Yeah, that this is this is definitely a misery for me. Yeah. Just the just the idea, just this power thing. I think that you could have easily just had Mike fend this fend yeah. this person off on his own. It's, you know, like he is still strong, and then he can like be like, you know, if if I'm still dealing with this, they they must be dealing with worse. I'm gonna like yeah, I agree. concentrate and try to send my like positive vibes to them. It's it's a minor it's a minor thoughts and prayers to those my thoughts and prayers to the group and the parents. I mean it's a minor misery because you know it's not like it's some deal breaker, but yeah, it's, well, they, I, yeah, yeah I mean I guess we enough. just talked about a giant Macover's turtle, so yeah, I, I give him the pass on the power. Um, it was just a demonstration of like, well, even though they're separate, they can still access uh, each str- other. Uh, stronger together, anybody? Stronger together. Um, back to the present, still. Back to the present, and they they confront. Um, this is the first time we see the word uh, spider. This is the first time we get to see the form that it kind of is trapped in in our world. It is, but but um, something important here too, Mel, is that. They Bill says no, not a spider either, not really. Right. But this shape isn't one that it picked out of our minds. It's just the closest our minds can come to the deadlights, whatever it really is. And I like that because it's always I, hard to read Stephen King out loud with his parenthetical. I know. It's like, <laughs> like you go back say, oh, by the way, they talk about deadlights briefly. Um, I uh, you need someone to be whispering like over your shoulder. This is the part Maybe. where the miniseries fails because once again, it's so hard to talk about what really is as opposed to what we're seeing. You know, so if you're just seeing a giant spider in the miniseries, that's not exactly what they're supposed to be looking at in the book. You but know? that's why I feel like if they do this again, I would almost want it to be like you never really can see it. Like, like it's out shadows. of focus the whole time. Yeah. You see something in the shape of a spider maybe, but that it's that it's you're always seeing from the other people's perspectives and just it's always in the periphery or you can't really see it but it's mm-hmm. like because what again what's more frightening or is what you can't see or what's in the shadows yep. you know uh I, I don't we don't need to see it you don't need to take the mask off you know we I, i'm more and that's why i think that they'll probably lean more on 
just kind of a really distorted, scary version of the clown. And you know what? I'll be fine, fine with that. They're already doing fine. that. We didn't. Right, there right. There was a point briefly in the in the current adaptation where he grows kind of insectile legs, yes. but that's really it. And that's I would rather it be a half spider, half clown thing because that's that fine. that, that is that. more visually frightening just, to me. That's fine. I'll settle for a half. Yeah, I really would. I really would because you know I mean people are going to be expecting it either, either way. I think well, it's it's tough for a movie going audience. It would be like saying we're going to have a climax of a Nightmare on Elm Street movie, but Freddy's not going to be there. It's going to be another version of Freddy. Like you, people yeah. are going to want to see the clown. You exactly, got to please the movie exactly. going audience, and and, you know? and it's like this is obviously Shelob from Lord of the Rings. This is his. <laughs> no, it is. I mean, he this loves is, it. Yeah. This is his. Like you know that side story, mm-hmm. and that's this. This is that villain for sure. Yeah. Um. But but again, not everybody's afraid of spiders, so yeah. <laughs> you can't do that really. You know, also, effective. Um, at the door this time, they see something different though. Bev sees Tom in that symbol. Mm-hmm. Bill sees Audra. Eddie sees poison, Richie sees Paul Bunyan, and Ben sees Henry. So the times they are changing. But it's like, that's is what's fun to, or funny to me, excuse me, is like what they see and like what that represents. Because like mm. for Bill, Audra is that like something scary, whereas Henry is something scary and terrifying that um, the others had to deal with. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like it's uh, some of them saw their fear. Or are we just seeing like what's important, like what's in our mind I, I, at that moment? I wonder if it's just the fear in terms of is Audra okay? Like that he's more afraid of that that question than anything yeah, else. Yeah, severed you know? head. Mm. Yeah. Oh, oh that's a, it's more specific. Oh, yeah, you're yeah, right. It's a severed head. So that's that explains that. I guess I didn't write that part down. We get and we get. This is I totally forgot about this. The explanation for why Stan knew more than they did, or what he knew, was yeah. that it is pregnant, and that's yeah. goes somehow back. Stan knew that. We don't actually get that moment How of comprehension, you, yeah. though, do we? Like, we don't see Stan realize that, or we don't no, see him no. realize no. something the others don't. But for some reason, it's understood that he knew that it was pregnant. Yeah, because they don't even. I, I figure that maybe when they got out, because we do finally see them, um, you know, doing the the pact at the end. I figured at that point he might have said something. Or like the worried look that he and Bev had when they left at the last minute when Bill was trying sure. to go back yeah. to say maybe that is the point that like he figured it out or might have had an inkling is my only guess because I was kind of like how did Stan figure this out and why did he tell no but no one I, I don't know but I will say. Uh, this is we'll save for misery, but this whole thing with it having eggs is totally pointless. Mm. Like, it doesn't need this doesn't need to be here. I don't believe. Well, they're they're they laying female, laying they're eggs <laughs> for the possibility of a, a sequel. Well, that's, that's but what are you going to do with multiple weird evil entities? I don't know. Why also, now? Like, oh, why sounds is it great. Have, yeah, like does it take this long gestation period? Like why is it having <laughs> billions kids of years? Now? <laughs> like I don't know. Well, I, it, was I just, it was just it was just like, like, you know, like to, I think it was to give Ben something to do at the end of the book. Yeah, I honestly didn't mind it. I think that is like I think it's cool. That was a great way to explain Stan's suicide. I wish they had delved into that a little more. Just knowing that he, like the hope, the sheer hopelessness and futility because it's actually pregnant with like hundreds of babies. I guess I just don't understand why it had babies. Like I get Stan's fear, but I just don't understand like, because in in my head I'm thinking, okay, this is this like ultimate evil or that's existed for forever. If it's eternal, but not eternal or however you want to put it, like, why does it have the need to have kids? Does the turtle have kids out there? Well, that, and that's the thing. Oh, little turtle. I think, <laughs> little turtle universes. I think. Micro universes. Well, so I think that it showed, because Stan was so weak, I think it maybe even showed him this mm. fact, knowing that he would take his own life because it was just too much, like he knew what was coming. But I, I feel like for me, Stan, 
I did just the fact that maybe Stan didn't have the strength and the courage as an adult to go back and was so afraid of the idea of it. I bought that. I bought that enough. Mm-hmm. I didn't need to have this added. Oh, it was actually because it was well, pregnant. Like, it, I, it's, I, I, it's also I, possibly maybe maybe Bev and maybe the the groups just maybe they're just trying to make sense of why Stan maybe did it. They still don't know why exactly he did. You know what I mean? Yeah, I guess. maybe that's I why. But well, I do you know like what the Mike fact would say about if it's, if it's implied, it's real. Yeah. It's real, yeah. And I do like I do like the egg thing. I I kind of feel like it couldn't it couldn't do this. It couldn't have spawn. It couldn't lay eggs. It couldn't continue and kind of go out and spread its disease. I guess until the turtle was gone. And so now the turtle is dead. It, it's able to kind of do its. Do the wild thing, but why oh, risk? Maybe. Why risk bringing the people back if it's finally another yeah. kid? Why risk the fact why that they're going to have a, have a big encounter? Why yeah. just anyway? I don't, well, he's, he's not. not I don't think he's trying to bring. I don't think he he didn't. I mean, it doesn't know that Mike's going to bring everybody back. You know what I no, mean? No, he like, does. Yeah. He he sets up all those photos, Thanks, everything else. Up. He wants them to come back this time to have his revenge. Well, you know, he's an idiot. What are you, or, 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 <laughs> or she? Sorry. She is. She is an idiot. Yeah. Oh, that gets me on a whole other level. The turtle being male, and I just also well, maybe that's well. Can male turtles uh, lay eggs? I don't know. No. Um, I'm gonna then, say then that's why the turtle doesn't have no. babies out there. Yeah, that's what I was like. Because once the turtle, well, am I spoiling this if I say? Because I feel like we've said this several times about the turtle and its current state of being. But yeah, go for it. if the turtle is no longer with us, how are there any more universes being created? You know um, what I mean? Well, that because the turtle isn't the end all be all. The turtle is just one one part of it. One part of flip, the old beam. The flip side of the coin. And why is the turtle? See, this is a, this is why I got distracted too while I was reading this because spider and turtle. I'm like, are these archaic, like long standing, um, like things in the universe? Like, why are these the these like ancient? Something? I kind of see it as king pulling from like the like the chinese calendar you know like where it's mm-hmm. like the year of the rat year of the hog year of the you know all that kind of stuff i think that's just kind of like his that's what his wheel is you know it's kind of like they they were onto something there but this is what it really is beyond even like our comprehension and in future dark tower books there's there's a lot more discussion about what the turtle represents mm-hmm. yeah and these yeah. other well the yeah, turtle beams. the turtle's opposite isn't even the spider it's yeah. the bear that's right, Shardik. Yeah. Yeah. My brain is just yeah. exploding. Yeah. I, I, feel like, I feel like I saw the deadlights over here. <laughs> yeah. Well, and like whether the turtle, I mean, not the turtle, the, whether it is even on the level of, it's not even on the level of what the turtle is. It just happens no. to come through like some, from somewhere else. Gross being. And just, yeah. but is aware of the turtle's existence and of that kind of realm because it is ancient evil. Yeah. Um, but yeah. You're right. It is confusing. <laughs> like, what came first, the turtle or the spider? Mm, chicken or the egg? Oh, turtle or spider? All right. So it's go time. Got, it's, it's chewed time. It is chewed, chewed time. Time to chew down. Oh man, here we go. Um, the ritual. The chew. I did actually. I did. There is a a spiritual system that I looked up just because I wondered if he actually got chewed from anything. Hmm. Um, and there is, don't laugh, a spiritual practice of Tibetan Buddhism called Chode. It's C-H-O with an umlaut, D. Hmm. Uh, and it literally means cutting through. And it cuts through, like, your ego or egocentrism, cutting through the ego. I don't know. Maybe. That's possible. Yeah. Cutting through is also one of my favorite R.E.M. songs from Murmur. Um, <laughs> I think R. that's R. a more likely explanation. Yeah. I wish that that was the case, but it's not. So, yeah, Bill, 
enters the uh, the blackness, and the blackness was everything. The blackness was the cosmos and the universe, and the floor of the blackness was hard, hard. It was like polished ebonite, and he was skidding along in his chest and belly and thighs like a weight on a shuffleboard. He was on the ballroom floor of eternity, and eternity was black. But the ballroom thing is interesting because that's kind of like what Richie and Mike feel like they're in like a big ballroom mm. um in the right, smoke hole right. i thought that was an interesting callback we also didn't discuss like when they're underground they they go into like a cathedral like space mm. yeah with um, weird like the floors are weird too it's not just like a dirt floor at that point too <laughs> i was gonna say even just like the fact that he commented on specifically on the size of like the the ground stones were being like were larger than them like how big is the space that's underneath and like eddie references at one point that they're no longer even in sewer tunnels that they're in like a mine shaft almost because yeah. they're so far deep and it's like how was this place created or what was it created for it like in the beginning and that he was able to use this space or she excuse me that Please it was it right. able to <laughs> <Well>. use this <laughs> space and find this space like where did it well, and if the if it's a mine shaft, then these thing, you, one thinks maybe like how old is this thing? Like, was it discovered in the ground? I think that is Did where it, it landed. And yeah, it just, yeah. That's, and that's just been there tunneled forever. its way out or, or it built it, it figured put in its, its own sto- its own stonework for like the space. The yeah, I think he's well. I think that's why he like he goes after Ben so much because they're both architects. <laughs> <laughs> he, you think you could build a door? Check out this three foot door. But here's here's a line right after this that uh, I don't think will be in the movie. Uh, I'm the turtle, son. I made the universe, but please don't blame me for it. I had a bellyache. Love it. That, <laughs> yeah. So weird. So I, I'm bizarre. In. I'm in. My favorite I'm, thing. I'm in. All in. I, you know, I'm out on, you know, bones going the wrong way, but I'm all in on, on turtle encounters, the talking giant turtles. I also love um, how Bill in the past, again, is he, so he's here. He's like floating amongst this giant pseudo dead turtle and he's talking to it just craziness and he's asking him for help and and the turtle well, says well, I, I, I guess take... he's not dead this is this is young young bill right so the turtle yeah, I'm is saying, alive. But he's like he's not in good shape the, uh, yeah, he thinks yeah, he's yeah, dead yes and he, he says want to come out of his shell yeah mm-hmm. right uh teenage mutant turtle style so he's he's a little scared uh he's, he's like uh eddie a he says bit. i take no stand in these matters has his own place in the microverse. Energy is eternal, as even a child such as yourself must understand. That was my that Sam Elliott. Yeah. <laughs> but my favorite bit here, which I just... This is, again, this is like sunshine. You're either all in or you're all out here, is when he says, Son, you've got to thrust your fist against the post and still insist you see the ghost. That's all I can tell you. Once you get into cosmological shit like this, you got to throw away the instruction manual. Like, what the <laughs> yeah, fuck? I this giant that. space turtle talking. Is I, he tripping out? Oh, my yeah, God. All I can see is this turtle kind of like looking, at, like kind of looking around. Yeah. And it's all like hearing this voice in your head. Yeah. It's just, I, I, and, and look, I, I'm an adult. And if I saw this, <laughs> I would not be able to wrap my head around this. I would not be coherently thinking of how I can fight it. I would just be... My mind would be obliterated. <laughs> so these are the some strong. Yes, I'd be like, yeah, we're good. I'm sorry, I don't want to. I don't want to say I'm, I'm like catatonic. Tom Rogan, I'd but like, I would be like Tom Rogan. <laughs> seeing the turtle, I'd be like, Bleh. Part <laughs> He's of me gone. Like, can I like go inside the turtle shell? I'd be distracted on the way to the deadlights. Oh, oh, yeah. Well, the turtle says he can't help, but then he like definitely helps. Yeah. It's one of those. <laughs> it's one of those things where it's like you know, like a time traveler can't go back in time to to change the the, the future, but that they'll still probably go back and change the future a little bit. You know, that's that's it's like here. He's just because he's saying he can't do anything doesn't mean he's not going to do anything. He, he literally it. tells him what to do. He says he says you have to say the phrase basically. Yeah, like, he's like, I gotta stay out, but 
here's a here's ten dollars. You know, you <laughs> go ahead yeah. and do something here. But this is also important. This is this is what we we're talking about earlier. It's so hard to capture this in film form. Is that you know, Bill uses his mind's eye and philosophically or psychologically bites down mm. on its tongue here, right? And this this is the moment. So uh, what, not with his teeth, but with teeth in his mind. That's what mind. the quote so is. So what I thought mind was <laughs> the <laughs> whole the whole ritual of Jude. It, it's weird because. The whole idea of uh, their understanding of it is like biting into each other's tongues and then the whole angle about telling the jokes mm-hmm. and things. I feel like all he does is do the the the, the, the he thrusts his fist against the post and still insists he sees the ghosts. Then it's not until when well, we're getting ahead of myself, but not until Richie we'll fights that. it. In that and he does do that. Yeah. So yes. it's kind of like you know, Richie comes in there at the, well, at the last minute. But okay, yeah. So what? What's uh, so then? Here? So Bill is able to come out of it again. He's, mm-hmm. he's able to get back into his physical self, and, and he thinks it's dying. He thinks it's dying, but some people aren't. Some people are convinced it's dying, but some people are not so sure. Mm-hmm. I think maybe Bev is one of the people that isn't convinced, Bev right? Stan. Bev and Stan, yeah. and Bill to some yeah. extent. Yeah, because um, they say like, they have to make sure, but the webs are all coming down. Yeah. Which I feel like if they had continued to go after them, maybe that would have been the point where Richie comes in as kids yes. with the jokes with the ritual of Chad. But yeah, it's what the webs are like these stinging acid like whatever things fall. Which is know. very very much like the mist. The mist, yeah, you're right. Yeah. Mm. Great movie. And then we get we flash forward to the second time, Bill mm-hmm. in the void late. <laughs> late. <laughs> it just says, <laughs> it just says it's late. late. Go to sleep, everybody. Um and I found this very, this is a, such a like creepy, suspenseful section where he's like, oh, you're back and look, you're bald and you can't do it again because you're not a kid anymore. And he tells and the turtle's dead and everything else. The turtle's help. dead and he misses. Bill tries to bite down on the tongue and misses his grip. This is such a funny, like you would never see this in fiction today. Just the actual like dot, dot, dot italics. Oh, and yeah. Missed his grip. <laughs> and missed his grip. <laughs> if, if I did that in workshop here, I would be thrown out of school. Be just, <laughs> thanks for playing. Good night. Goodbye. But also here, you know, we were joking earlier about how Bill is kind of your uh, your Ben Mears or Stu Redman, like the perfect protagonist, you know. And it's hard to imagine Ben or Stu missing anything like this, but to have Bill actually screw up in the climax is uh, is satisfying. Oh, it's you know, perfect, it's unexpected. I love it. yeah. yeah, it's unexpected. And I thought, if anything, that Ben would be the one that steps in here or something like that. He would be the the runner up. But the fact that it's actually Richie was uh, also surprising. I had that note in the book. So in the miniseries and even in the movie so far, there's a lot more focus and attention given to Ben than there is in the book. I don't feel like he's as strong a character in the book as he is in in the I think there's a lot more attention given to him as a kid in the book as opposed to him being an adult. Yeah, very true. Very true. I I do think it (laughs) – King just – found his core group right and it was like bev bill ben and richie we haven't touched on the fact that like putting mike in the hospital in the future is actually a an apt parallel because in the past mike is barely present in these sewers he is not doing anything sometimes he'll say a word and it's you can just tell it's because king remembered he's supposed to be like the bird scene he like pushes someone out the way but other than that he's kind of like useless Right, like, because it, Stan is the one that comes in and saves yeah. the day there. And, and even when they're walking, there's a point where he makes a refer- a point to say that like Mike stands alone because they're walking yeah. side by side, and then it's like two, 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 and then Mike. But I, think, I guess because he was the I, last or something. I also feel like that's kind of obviously a little foreshadowing. Like Mike is going to not be with the mm. group in the future. He's going to stay behind. 
Yeah, he's I so Barry... I just, he they should do he should have done more with him as a kid. Oh, I agree. He's Wholeheartedly. barely present. I see, you, are you talking about for the this the climax as a kid? Yeah, 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 yeah. he's just yeah. not here because yeah. he's given a lot of a lot of. Uh, page time as a kid especially in that third section i think or maybe it's the fourth section so but yeah it, 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 the same problem i had with with mike not being very present in the past is not having ben feel that present in the present do you understand mm-hmm. what i'm saying sure yeah, the climax, i feel really like not, ben just yeah. he, he's there to smush the eggs that's all i remember him doing in the climax you <laughs> yeah know? he just kind of he just is sitting there kind of watching everybody the whole time you, yeah. you don't really get a lot of engagement with him except for that story he tells like early on at the or he like moves at one point just because bev screams to save bill and he's like i'm gonna do it because bev screamed it's like you don't have your own line to do it because bill's your friend yeah like, right who- gotta, we gotta impress gotta impress bev um, even at those moments, <laughs> even it's like, why are you already trying to protect your friend? Um, so are we? So we got Richie, yeah, Richie we're... participating, and and this is young Richie. No, this is old Richie. Okay, I, I'm yes, getting lost Richie. here. It's a lot of back and forth. <laughs> yeah, he's going to save Bill, so he bites down on the metaphysical tongue. Um, his racist voices yeah. <laughs> apparently apparently hurt it a little bit. He's like, wow, this guy's even worse than I am. And, you know, people, a lot of this are jokes, folks. We know this was written at a certain time, about a certain period of time. But it's just, it's just funny to imagine Richie defeating this entity, evil entity by doing an Irish cop voice. You know, yeah. it's, it's just amusing And to then us, he does a right? Hispanic voice, or I should just say Mexican. Uh, the, He's Mexican. Yeah. And then oh, yeah. a few others. And it's like, I can't, I can't stand this anymore. Uh, I, I just kind of skim now, unless it's like an important sentence. <laughs> <laughs> and then, of course... Eddie once again tries to do a little repeat that he did with the the crawling they're eye. Not, and they're not getting back safely. No, they're not. They're um, still. They're both he's still saying, lost. I'm losing it. Help! So Eddie tries to help, and he does ultimately. Yes. But unfortunately, his oh, arm gets arm. a little too close, and his good arm. His good arm. Poor poor guy. Yeah, I know. Broken arm, and it gets an he's arm bitten off. Arms, and apparently. is this the is this the eye that takes his arm no. off? No, it's the spider. spider. Oh, he sticks oh, oh, his arm right. I'm, I'm down its young throat Eddie and triggers still. his aspirator. Um, yeah. yeah, I was. Hey. I would not have stuck my arm down a spider's throat. Maybe <laughs> in the eyes again. I think I, I the poor guy got too close, and mm. that was it. Uh, it's yeah. so sad. This last line here that Eddie closed his eyes, thinking how to finish, oh. and while he was still thinking it over, he died. Because uh, he wanted to just, make a little comeback to yeah. to Richie. Um, yeah, is, he achieves this sort of like pleasurable clarity. Yeah, it I, seems I, I've got that in, my, in the uh, word processor yeah. section too. Yeah. I I think that King does a great job, especially in in I think it's part four, that whole section of of him finding out about the aspirator, mm-hmm. and then mm-hmm. encountering Henry, and then finally standing up to himself against his his mom, and that sets all of this up in, in the climax really beautifully. I think. But guess what, guys? I know you guys missed it. We're back to the town. We're back to Derry. Oh, we're back to Derry. <laughs> I did think it was apart. weird that Mr. Nell, the the actual Irish yeah. cop, so. is like possessed by Richie and then dies. <laughs> like, oh, gosh. that's how he dies. He like does his own stereotypical voice that Richie ah. is doing, and then like boom, d- dies in front of his wife. Like his voice was so good, it killed the thing. It, 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 it was mocking. Like, at what cost, <laughs> Irish cop? You know. <laughs> He, there can't be two Irish cops in this world. No way. That, that <laughs> not, was confusing to it and everybody else and Derry itself. Um, so then we go back to the past again. All right. It is time. And Ooh. well, we're almost there. We're almost there. We're almost there. Had to take a drink of water for this. They, um, Bill, before, let's do a little table setting though. Bill is 
you know, as they've defeated, or as they think they've defeated it, they are leaving, and, they, and Bill says that they already feel like they're falling away from each other, and that the bond that held them all this long summer was dissolving. So, again, to your point, I feel like maybe by the time Bev got back home, the recent events no were gone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that checks out to me. Which that makes is, sense. So, and then, and then they're lost. Yes. Yeah. And then Bev says, "I know. I have an idea." And I say, oh, "That's well. a terrible idea." <laughs> All right, uh, all right, all right. Well, hold on, hold on. Well, it. well it, it's all, we're almost there. We're almost there. We're almost there. It cuts away. It cuts away. But then this oh, is, no. and then of course Ben in the present, Ben is destroying its eggs. I think at this point too. All right, Ben's destroying the eggs. Okay. How many matches to eggs they had? Because he said he killed about a hundred, but he was hoping his matches wouldn't go out before then. Like I, I don't know. It was like was, Ripley with the flamethrower and yeah. aliens. You know, trying to get rid of I all thought these. Thought he was going to set them on fire, so I was. Kind of I, I love this section here, though, where Bill's like, it's Audra, it's Audra. And Richie's like, fuck Audra. Like, <laughs> we got to kill this we'll thing. I don't give a shit She's, if it's the Pope. She, yeah. <laughs> she might be dead. But Richie comes into go. his own here, too. I, I'm, I'm a fan of Richie in this whole section. Yeah. But, I uh, don't like how they leave Bev behind with an already uh, clearly dead Eddie. Like, yeah. she, oh, what? like she didn't want to leave him. Or she didn't want to leave him or something like that. She felt bad, I guess. She you didn't know? want his face to be on the ground. I was like, he's dead uh, put your coat yeah. on the ground and then put yeah. his face on that we know once you guys face off against a giant spider from another dimension in time and really one of our off. friends one of you are in my lap i'm just gonna let your face hit the dirt but I guess it, it's a, it's also like <laughs> the whole it. parallel here where like bill and richie were the ones that did it the first time too Oh, yeah, so, yeah, but, yeah. Well, no, 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 no. It was just Bill. It was just, just Bill, Bill the first time. Remember, Bill bit down the first time. It was just Bill the first time. Oh, yeah. yeah. Well, then I'm I, then I'm dead wrong. Well, <laughs> it's like everyone else just kind of stood there, and then You're they forgiven. held his hands. I think and they got him. They got yeah. him back. Yeah. I think yeah. at the end. Back, yeah. Okay. Well, now this is the moment I've been waiting to talk about for. I'll say about twenty months since we started this podcast, knowing that eventually we'd have to get to this section, <laughs> and I am very interested in hearing what. Obviously, the, the two uh, women here have to say about this. And I was teased a, a couple months ago that one of these women oh. will not be as harsh on this section. I'm I'm curious to hear all about. So, ladies, you you, you can begin the the Bev idea, the ritual, the ritual of Bev, of Boob, the ritual of Boob, ritual of Boob. So who wants to go first, Aisha or or Mel? I'm I'm, I'm very let me, curious. Let me hold. Let me hold What's back. The title of this? The, I think I'm going to be the biggest apologist for this scene. For so, this scene. All right, let's 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 hear it. Uh, let's let's go. Let's hear it. I. What do you think? So, so as I was reading this last part, I kind of was like, as I said, I was skipping through a lot of that extra BS that I was not about, but I purposely made time for this section because. <laughs> I had no idea what I was going into. Mm-hmm. By the way, we have to timestamp this section. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah the yeah, ritual yeah. of Bev. Yeah. We're <laughs> the, with an umlaut <laughs> over the E or something. Uh, yeah. I First, I'm... Again, going back to what we were talking about, how like Mike is just kind of there. Mm-hmm. The lineup that goes on with the gentlemen or the boys that <laughs> enter, <laughs> enter the gentle boys, Bev. The, the gentle gentlemen boys. callers. All right? It's just kind of like... <laughs> She has to convince. No, you know what, Mel? Go ahead, go first. All right, okay, fine. Okay, here we go. I will. I will begin by saying that when I was a child, this scene was like felt very natural to me, Mm. and I think that's just because as a kid you wonder about sex all the time, 
And you also just have this general idea that when you grow older, you're going to do it and you might even do it with some of your friends. And to have that actually acted out on a page was not only natural, but like cathartic to almost see as a, as a child. Um, and I do agree. I mean, Stephen King, this is, these are his thoughts on it. He's commented. Um, there was a vulture article that pulled this from a, a forum response. Yeah. And he said, I wasn't really thinking of the sexual aspect of it. The book dealt with childhood and adulthood, 1958 and grownups. The grownups don't remember their childhood. None of us remember what we did as children. We think we do, but we don't remember it as it really happened. Intuitively, the losers know they had to be together again. The sexual act connected childhood and adulthood. It's another version of the glass tunnel that connects the children's library and the adult library. Times have changed since I wrote that scene, and there is now more sensitivity to those issues. And he made a more recent statement when Vulture reached out to his agent for confirmation of that statement. And he said, that sounds like my statement. (laughs) To it, I'd just add that it's fascinating to me that there has been so much comment about that single sex scene and so little about the multiple child murders. That must mean something, but I'm not sure what. I agree. Okay, we'll go back and forth. Here's the thing. I, even as a kid, I didn't take any weird like offense or even necessarily find it to be problematic in the way that the scene is described you know i don't think there's any eroticism at all about the no, scene it's not titillating it's awkward and weird yeah like kid sex would be but right. my my thing is <laughs> i i i often watch movies or like we'll read comments that people make and i think i'm not offended by this i understand what you're saying but why would you put yourself in the position because a lot of times what's frustrating is that people will just say oh it isn't that the one with the child orgy in it and like if you don't have the foresight to know that people will possibly dilute it to that then you've made an error as a writer. Mm. And I think that that's unfortunate. There's been so many times in my life, and whether or not those people are being ignorant and wrong, which I believe they are, obviously, it's just such a, what what do you say after that? Like, yes, that's the one with the child orgy, you know? But those are only people from our generation, like, you know, like it's not, when this came out, it wasn't known as the book with the child orgy in it. Like, I think he's right about his statement about things being different back then, I guess. Yeah. Like, that's only our generation reading this book. It's a shame that people just... I don't want to start. Well, That's a whole I, other I freaking make story, you know. I do not support child orgy. Yeah. I, uh, yeah. I'm yeah. not a fan of it, and I don't no. support it. <laughs> well, <laughs> I, so when I so I I knew that this existed a long time ago, and I obviously never read the book until just now. I I don't think for me it was like I it could be in there. It, for me, it could have just been like the, like, and Bev was with them, and she loved them. And leave their it leave bond it. was strong again, and but the fact that they he spends like Cowardice. a couple of pages like mm. in very very descriptive of like, well you know he didn't quite get there but you know but then they thrusted and then oh Ben's too big and yeah. <laughs> we didn't need Which, we don't yeah. need all that detail you just he could have done it in a more gent- gentle way. That leaving it up to our imaginations, like okay, well, uh, you know, but again, this is Stephen King, and he doesn't really do that. He likes to be very descriptive. descriptive. Okay. I don't know if That's he would write whole, it as the he whole did. Point. Yeah, and I don't know if he would. I don't know if he wrote this book now. If he would write something like this, I, I don't think I definitely he would. Don't think he would. I, you know, I again, like I said, too many. I, I, I understand why this is happening in the book. I understand what she's trying to do and, and, and really trying to bring them all together to be common. Well, you know, ultimately, it does work because once Eddie's relaxed, Eddie's like, oh, yeah, we got to go this way. He's like, I feel a lot better now. But it's like, why are you going to put yourself in the position to get nailed? Yeah. That's my Seven, thing. Or six times 
in a nasty like sewer. Yeah. yeah. But also like the connection she has because okay, so I didn't read this as a kid, so like yeah, right, yeah, I get what Mel's talking yeah. about, like that. Um, when you're a kid dealing with those kind of issues, because I remember you know turning on the channel like TV, and you know you'd have those way back in the day you'd have those channels that were like the porno channels but they couldn't you couldn't see them but like it would be like the wavy line no idea what you're talking about no idea what you're talking about oh well (laughs) justin's never watched porn i mean well i guess never 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 just my tv in my house of course of course but like you know you have that curiosity and i like how he goes there's this conference constant reference while bev is hitting it up with each one to the birds but also like she this awkwardness of she knows what they both they all know like what their bodies are supposed to do and not do whether they consciously want to admit it or not but they can't they don't have the words to formulate what that is because she keeps saying like did you like i, I don't know the exact term yeah. what she used but like did you get there basically and he, i think eddie's like i i don't know maybe hmm. and then it's kind of the same thing with like how they can refer to it there's no they they don't know exactly what it is before before everything happens. They don't know mm-hmm. how to really describe it. They just use what they know to kind of flounder their way through fighting it. They and then the same with like growing up and going into adulthood when you're changing from like that weird age of like your hormones are going crazy, but you're also still an active like have an active imagination. Mm. You're still a child and you're trying to figure that out and you're just blundering your way into adulthood. So he, he draws that parallel so nicely when he talks about sex as it Mm. now she realizes that for many of them sex must be some unrealized undefined monster they refer to the act as it would you do it do your sister and her boyfriend do it Mm. do your mom and dad still do it and how they never intend to do it um I, so my, my complaints with this scene are very specific. Like, I think it's so it's really stupid that she, like, does have orgasms and like, (laughs) it starts in this better place. What's she, she does she have an I think she time? does with like with Ben, ben right? Bill. Sure and Bill. Ben and with, Bill. Yeah. Bill, she has a couple, I think. Is it a couple? Yeah, she, no, it says one. oh my it's no, just one. No, there's a there's one or or maybe it's because she had one with Ben. Yeah, it's just yeah. Like and she one. has one with Bill. Yeah. She's like, Oh my god, this is gonna happen again, it's too much, and then she like rides the wave. So when it says when it says you know there was power in this act all right a chain breaking power that was blood deep she feels no physical pleasure but there is a kind of mental ecstasy in it mm-hmm. for her like that feels very very like true and appropriate yeah. but when it's like when she's shouting like yes ben like yeah. Yeah. show me it how to fly. didn't she yeah. say show, yeah. show me how to fly or something like that but it's like show the, me how to fly yeah it's like so, show me how to give me wings or something like that show me how to fly well, Ben opened up a whole new world for her oh, yeah. but it's like it starts out with eddie it's very innocent and awkward it's like a the it kind of also shows the love she well they don't really touch on Stan and Mike as well, but like the love she has for each one of them, the versions. And I think I, we talked about this maybe last or the one before a podcast, the different versions of love she has for each of them. They're still trying to figure out what that love mm-hmm. is. And this is maybe like when you, when she finishes with Eddie, there's like still that connection, but it seems motherly in a way as well, which is a whole other thing. I, I didn't want to get it, but that, I... <laughs> that crossed my mind when he also mentions it, but yeah. um, like Stan and Mike, they just kind of hit it and quit it. So like their love is like, we're friends, <laughs> but you know. Thanks for the hangout. Yeah, Good exactly. Times. And Super Richie, well. does she even talk about how it was with no. Richie? No. It's like Stan, Richie, and Mike are totally glossy. Yeah. I've got I've got the chapter here. It says Richie puts on his Groucho Marx glasses and um, <laughs> she laughs and giggles and I'm kidding. That doesn't She's happen. like, beep, beep. Beep, beep. beep. I understand. It's Show also... me how to beep, Richie. <laughs> 
<laughs> it's also that whole thing of like reclaiming something that was totally like mm-hmm. now I, now I, I, I know maybe I just missed it, but like, are are we supposed to believe that she was in fact sexually abused by her father? No, no, no not right. this. She's just abused. That he wants to sexually, and that he yes. wants to, yeah, and that we we quite... okay. But I, I this think day it looked like it was she, finally going to happen, yeah. right? And that's something that she's been made to feel like dirty about, or mm. you know, that are accused or and all this stuff is kind of like you know what, like I'm gonna own this, and with the only friends I have, the people that right. I love. And again, I get it. I just still, I don't know if I. I think I'm with you, Mac. Like I do it. like that she she even says, you know, it's she's feeling triumphant, and that the fear and the shame are gone and so it's a it's a reclamation and it's of her choice this, to do this with it. right like she she's taking but, ownership of it but I, I just don't i don't know for me it was like it didn't need like, to be there just driving home the fact that she's the only it's very she's heteronormative and essentialist yeah. it's like well can you imagine which, yeah. which one has the badge yeah I guess. Why could they just be like? I mean, they all love each other. What would have happened if he was just like? Hey. Eddie's like, I've got an idea. Oh man! Go down, hundred percent serious. It should be an actual orgy where yeah. everyone is on everyone. What if? Yeah. What if in the new adaptation? <laughs> let me let me posit this. As adults, Eddie's Ooh. like, let's go. We gotta do this. Get out of here. Whoa. And right before his arm gets bitten off. Yeah. And then they also have the 25 minute section with turtle with turtle Sam Elliott talking to Bill. Um, that would be I'm all I'm all Maybe in. Maybe they Once have again. the orgy and they start floating up into the void, and then oh. turtle Sam Elliott is watching it even though he's dead. And now I'm picturing this turtle with a big gray mustache. <laughs> well, you know, also another thing that's that's well, very good boys and interesting girls. to me is that they spend so much time in this section, mm. and there's a lot of parallels between what happens when they're kids and when they're adults. But they don't have to do this again as adults to get out. They just like. Well, well the, the thing caves in, right? Oh, right. Yeah. They, they, they could just it's easily over. get out, right? Yeah, okay. Because that would have been really interesting. <laughs> yeah. What if they all just started having sex uh, once they get out, just like in front of everybody else? Like, Bill's hey, you like, guys survived. I was like, oh, I guess we got to do this again. Yeah. Oh, well. Everybody's down. Well, I thought that was a very good, mature uh, discussion on a 12 year old child orgy. I thought that was really well handled. Hey. I'm, happy, I'm happy to hear everybody's thoughts, uh, good and bad. I, you know what I thought was funny? When she has that brief moment where she thinks she's gonna get crushed to death by uh, uh by Ben, and I was I felt bad for Ben for a second. I was like, oh, bad. Oh, what well, if she had told him that? He'd be like, oh, let me just yeah. slide off here, <laughs> slide off turtle style. Um, I can't. Oh god. I think we can all say that we're not huge fans. Of what if the what if the turtle popped up during the, the scene and it was like... of it more than most people? But well, then uh, yeah, it's, it's I just fitting that the next chapter is called out. Let's get out of this section. Let's get out of Bev and let's get out into this next chapter. <laughs> oh, so here we go. Mel, you want the standpipe? Again, we get more dairy destruction. We get high as balls, Andrew Keen yelling at the standpipe. Andy Keen. Man, Man, the guy's going for it. Spielberg, eat your heart out. (laughs) Sounds like a true uh, stoner. Yeah. Um, And then we have Bill and Richie following it, Mm -hmm. like back to, even back farther into the lair as Ben is killing the eggs. Um, Thanks, Ben. They have to. Like really get in there to kill it with their with their this hands with Bill's hands really and it is it is bargaining with them it's promising them things like oh I'll let you live five hundred years or I'll give you whatever you want because at this point it knows that it's lost any advantage it had um, and as Richie is combating it outside Bill just 
sticks his whole upper torso into that spider and finds its heart and puts its hands around it and squeezes till it ex- till it explode. explodes. Explodes. Yeah, um, that's how they kill it. It's you know the voice of the other says, "Son, you did real good." Like, well, that's what that's so, why one of my final words I hear before I leave this earth is for some is for a turtle to say, "Son." It wasn't the turtle though. Oh, it was the other, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah it was. So here, that here's is. my thing with this whole section is for so long growing up. So I had never, so I hadn't read this, and for, for so many years, people just always talked about how wrong the miniseries got the ending, but they really. I mean, aside from the the otherworldly like darkness yeah. deadlight mm-hmm. section, all the physicality, all, even down to some lines that are said at the very end, and then they go and then they basically beat this thing to the pulp and reach in and rip its heart out. And it's, the, it's I think it's, the issue it's is very much like the, the book. Issue I don't know what people are about problem with how, how the spider looks. Mm-hmm. And they even talk about how they ran yeah, out of budget, I mean, and the, that's why the spider does not look yeah, scary. I, I agree. That's the real issue is how, the, how stupid the spider okay, looks. Because it just seemed like I was always expecting this ending to be very, very different. No. And it is to an extent, but, but the, the, I mean, they reach into this thing, pull I, the heart out. You I know? think like, it's, it's definitely like, oh, this is kind of goofy, obviously. Hmm. But if you want to liken it to their experiences as kids and being afraid of those old cheesy horror movies like The Crawling Eye and The Teenage Werewolf and The Mummy and whatnot... It kind of checks out that, of course, to kill it, you just have to tear its heart out. You know what I mean? But are they really killing it? Because when Bill's flying through the void, he talks about how the fact that it, there's two parts of it. There's the it that the in the physical world that they know, and yeah. then this other it that's like because he talks about how like it's he can't even understand as he's hearing the two voices of it speaking simultaneously to him. The physical Earth version is speaking in English, but as he's going closer to the other one, it's like this untestable language. Yeah. So is he really killing it or just the physical representation well, on Earth? Well, that's why after the epilogue, it says dot, 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 and a clown laughter. I think the physical it from Derry is dead. Mm-hmm. And whatever's left of Derry will be, just become kind of... As normal as it can be, as it can be. Although I think dairy is just destroyed. Yeah. You know, there's not much but to do. You know here. what? You can't have light without dark. You know, I think it's always going to be out yeah, there think, to some extent. Let's yeah. not forget Dreamcatcher. Pennywise lives. Spoiler alert. Pennywise lives. Um, uh, but I do yeah. think they they do say you know there is there are those two separate parts, but it has invested its energy in our existence into this physical form, and this is how we heard it. Mm-hmm. Kind of. I don't know. I, I think I it's know. dead. I think it's dead. I th- I really do I think it's dead. Of all the of all the killers and monsters in all yeah. the King books, it's not like I was gonna say they couldn't put Humpty together again or something. But I think it's it is is gone. So they they kill it, and the we get a lot of interludes about Derry disintegrating. The Paul glass, Bunyan explodes. The glass uh, corridor between the libraries explodes. Um, houses are just like literally falling into the barrens. There's an earthquake. Yeah. Um, they're carrying Audrow, but they can't. They can't carry poor Eddie out. Uh, Eddie's still down there. That Eddie's is still so down there. sad they to me. They didn't even go back for his body. I know. That well, they is didn't so even. Uh, uh, anyway, that's also sad. But there's some. There's a sign of of a pop of a possible good future for Derry because when Bill gets out and sees an old babysitter of his and Georgie's. Uh, he raised his hand to show her he was all right, and when she raised her own hand in re- in response. He felt a sudden surge of good feelings and hope. 
So that was a nice little okay. Dairy might be okay now. I think that, that was also indicative that it it it's very well dead. is 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 dead at this point. Um, and of course, there's a photo taken of Bill and Bev embracing, and the caption in the paper: "Survivors." Little do they know how right they were. <laughs> and uh, um, we also, when they leave, the mark on the door is gone. Mm. Yeah, yeah. The mark is gone. And Bev also sees when they're passing through. The doors to the townhouse. She sees Eddie and Stan oh in, the reflection. in the reflections. That killed me Are when I was reading it. There forever, like their souls. That's what I was oh, thinking. No, I, I, think, no, it was, because I think it was Stan, a nice like they were with them. Yeah, because the Stan, I think, I because Stan kind of like grins or, or winks or something. Yeah. So it's like you know, like they're they they got out. They did get out. Yeah, their souls. Like got they're out, carrying so. them with them now. You yeah. know what I mean? Like they, that they, was very they, sweet. they did get them out of dairy, kind of thing. Very sweet, not saccharine. I thought that was earned. This whole book is just a big love letter to friendship anyway, so it makes total sense uh, to me. Can I also get one of those shirts that says, where the hell is Derry, Maine? Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> That'd got, be a great shirt to have. I got to get that. Hey, what, what part are you talking about with the babysitter, Justin? I see with the boy. Oh, no. Right when, when Bill and uh, when Bill gets emerges from the rubble out of the sewers, um, his old babysitter is there. Mm. And doesn't a cop hold her back or something? Yeah. And yeah. but they look at each other and Bill recognizes oh. her and says that thing. He waves his hand. I'm OK. And then she's she also kind of returns the wave and he feels like there's hope for the future of dairy and whatnot. Like it, the at, adults at the are end of aware. That. It's literally like the last page of that chapter. It's Mrs. Nelson. Yeah. Mm. I remember you, you. Your sister used to sit George and me sometimes. And he raised his hand. Yeah. It's, and then. um. And then we go back to the, uh, the one last oath. time, yeah. the oath, mm-hmm. the big oath that's been talked about from the first moments of the book. And we finally see it happen. It's and a great place to end this this bit. The circle um, closes once and more. And to end with the promise, yeah. And yeah. then yeah. we do get this impression that Stan knows something because he's the one who like walks out, immediately breaks a Coke bottle, mm. and is like ready to do things. this. Yeah. It's amazing that it's it, – it's always amazing that Stan that does it, and he's a, he's the first person to – they can't face it years later. I like that. His uh, voice also, falters yeah. when he says, I swear. Yeah. Oof. Getting a little nostalgic thinking about how long I've been reading this book and uh, the, the journey <laughs> we've, we've been on with these characters again, you know? Yeah. I, 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 yeah, it's a great, it's a great ending to the, the main story before we get into the, uh, the interlude and the, and the epilogue. But uh, yeah. Talk about the circle closing that, that imagery is just beautiful. Yeah. Well, but it's everywhere in this last bit, all about the circle. Mm-hmm. And, and there's that, and I might not be here, it might be in the, in the, I don't think it's in the interlude, I think it's right here, where I think they, when they're walking out as kids, Bev says something or thinks of the thought that, okay, now we can just be kids now. But it's like, no, mm-hmm. like not if yet. anything, like your childhood's dead. <laughs> you know, like, well, the thing what was is, the saddest mm-hmm. part when she's, when, they remember they never were all together again. Yeah. That yeah. it was never all seven of them and again. And they kept mentioning that throughout the whole thing. And that's it's kind of weird to think about that. Like they've been together and been through so much. What what caused that? I mean, I know some of them like moved away, like Ben ended up moving and all these other things. But it's kind of like how did they not ever were never able to be together at the same time? Mm-hmm. It's kind of like when Mel moved. Oh, jeez. <laughs> it's like the inverse of Mike it. staying in town and everybody leaving. It's I'm just going to go mope around like Charlie Brown right now. Excuse oh, me. Cue the rest oh. of the development Mel and Dan. I'm going to stay away from the uh, sewers then. <laughs> yeah. So... Who are you again? <laughs> <laughs> we have to She's the eater of worlds. <laughs> what's, what's your Mel. last name? Mel. 
Justin. It, the book is back. We have to cover it again. <laughs> it's 27 years. Oh, um, all right. Well, do we want to get to the last interlude here? Yeah, yeah Dairy, the last interlude. I love these interludes. We, I can't get enough of these interludes. Derry's final interlude, mm. the last words from Mike Hanlon that he's written down in his journal that was recovered from the wreckage of the library. <laughs> Fortunately. Um, yeah, the police chief wanted nothing to do with it, as I recall. These are like the saddest pages of all time. Yeah, <laughs> yeah basically we learn that the losers are already beginning to fade once again from each other's memories. But this time, even Mike's. Mike is yeah. now beginning to forget because his job is is done, you know? They what? take that as a sign that they really did do it. Yeah. They killed it. And he's like on the phone with Richie at one point and they, they don't That's know so each other's name, like mm. last names. They can't remember Stan's last name, right? Or Eddie's mm. last name. It's but Eddie's last name. But it, yeah, it's just... Ugh. No, it's Stan's last name and then later Mike and Bill can't remember Eddie's that's last right. name. Oh, right. That's right. That's Which right. Which is so weird. Like, I remember all... I mean, is it that... It being gone has wiped their memory. I think it would be likening to if you were like for me, if I was trying to remember a friend I had in like fourth grade's last name. I remember. Like, would I remember? I guess I, don't know. I remember all my close friends, like the people that are, I would consider, yeah, what quote unquote best friends. I remember, but I may not see them anymore. I remember their last names. I may not remember everything. So this is weird that they like completely forgot. I just feel like their whole relationships are pretty much disappearing you know and i i think that yeah i think king captures that that awkward phone call with richie and mm. mike really well i you know i feel like we've we've sometimes had those conversations with people that we've either fallen out with or just haven't kept close touch with mm. you know and that's what it feels like even though obviously they just saw each other and that makes it even sadder to me and the pages are literally disappearing. Yeah. He can't he can't remember their names and the pages that he's written about their experiences are fading and they look really old and he knows that they'll be gone soon. And he says, you know, I could just keep copying them, but soon I wouldn't remember what I was even copying. So what's the point? Yeah. I hope that going forward that Mike is able to have I mean, he seems like he's pretty happy in Derry, just, you know, being the head librarian. He seems like he have like, he's got like good acquaintances, but I hope that Mike finds true happiness mm -hmm. going forward, you know. Find some <laughs> companionship and yeah. starts a new library and Hey, he can build everything up from the right. from the ground up. Or maybe he can travel the world to different libraries and That's the other thing. Up. Yes, maybe he he finally leaves Derry. Yeah. That would be that's what I was hoping for him. In yeah. my head, I was seeing him eventually leaving Derry. I hope so. Mike, if you're out there, let us know. <laughs> There, I, I do love the, you know, the Dick Halloran connection with his family is so weird and, and prescient. Like, yeah, the fact that Dick Halloran goes from the town, the black spot in the town that was kind of a part of an evil entity to a hotel <laughs> that is also an evil entity. Like, I almost wish there was more on the other side. Like, if I don't know if Derry is ever mentioned in Dr. Sleep or like. Mm -hmm. I don't know. It would. It just would have been a cool thing to well, Derry, connect. Derry is mentioned in uh, Tommyknockers, right? Oh, Derry's definitely mentioned in Tommyknockers. <laughs> it's right next door, essentially. Yeah. We'll talk about that in some King's Dominion later on, too. God, now I wish I read Tommyknockers. Well, here's a copy hey. for you. I see. I'm like looking at it. I'm like, <laughs> oh. it's crazy. <laughs> I feel you know how, yeah, you know we talked about how much I loved how crazy the turtle bit is in the hit. <laughs> Well, if you yeah. well, we're going to be covering Tommy Knockers sometime in in January, January February. So if so you want to read it, read it. I just remember being a kid in that like little that chant from the movie. Tommy, Tommy Knockers, Tommy Knockers, knock knocking at the door. door. Yeah, oh, that's creepy, I guess. Uh, so yeah, then we also yeah, learned this section. Oh yeah, go ahead. go ahead. I just wanted to say that he loved them. 
Yeah, he did. Yeah. Just the last lines. When he says he's thinking about some sort of new life, although just what that might be is unclear to me. Mm-hmm. I loved you guys. You know, I loved you so much. In the past tense. And then, yeah, because, you know, a week from then, he might not even remember ever having been, had the best friends in the so world. So sad. It's awful. It's like the old question, like, would you like to experience this if you knew that you wouldn't remember experiencing it in 10 mm. years? You know, like, what, what would you would even bother, right. you know? What does it cost them? The fight cost them their friendship. Yeah. Mm. I like uh, to think that maybe on their deathbeds, they'll remember each one other. Last, like, something mm. will waken up in them. That's it'll, my it'll, it'll be like that part where Bev looks in the mirror and sees the reflection. Like, something like that. Yeah. I'll Give me that cheesy ending. I'll be more than satisfied well, It's also with it. crazy that Ben... Bev and Ben head off together and it's kind of implied that they're going to be, if not be together forever, certainly be together for a while. Mm. And like how, I guess they just, when, when they're like, how did we meet? Like, it'll be like, we just, we, or it'll be probably <laughs> like, one of those things like, where, you know, we, we grew up and we, we ran to each other yeah. um, at a reunion. That's probably all they'll remember. Cause I think or if you like, are obviously you know, staying with somebody, it's not going to be like a, a 50 first date situation. I was just you know, about to say that. <laughs> Drew Barrymore and <laughs> Adam Sandler. Explain one time in the sewer, your dad entered me. And- <laughs> oh, God. We were children. I don't know how it happened, but we, we definitely yeah, got down there. There was a clown involved, something like that. I asked him, I asked him to show me how to fly, and, uh, <laughs> and, he, and he showed me how to fly ever since. And, oh, can we also learn that um, Ben or Bill and Audra are going to stay at Mike's mm-hmm. while yes. she's in her state? At this point, Cat- too. Catatonic. Catatonic yeah. state. Yeah, yeah. She's obviously seen the deadlights. And, you know, you, once you see those deadlights, you're you're trapped forever. So, so that leads us to the epilogue. Ben Denbro beats the devil, too. Yeah. Ballsy to quote your own book. Mm. Oh, man. Yeah. <laughs> it's my, one of my favorite characters. The kid with the skateboard. Oh, the kid in the... <laughs> yeah. the my favorite character in the book is that skateboard kid. Because I love skateboarders. He's the deepest character for me. <laughs> and he's referenced like 85 times in this section. As well as, of course, quoting himself, Some Kid, which is incredible. That's the name of my punk band, by the way. Some Kid, all, all lowercase yeah. letters. And this is when we learn... Because obviously during the whole climax, I, I remember thinking, well, is Silver going to show up at some point? Yeah. And then... I do like how there was a purpose for Silver to show up because he's able to once again save somebody the same way he was as a kid when he was able to save – it was Richie, right? Mm-hmm. And the, and the right. werewolf Richie. beating the devil. Mm-hmm. Um, so he's got this idea. We don't know exactly what's happening and there's some there's some flashbacks that happen here too, right? Or is it just well, more – I think they're flash forwards. This is yeah, how that's he right. dreams in his life now. He has a dream about leaving Derry. Yes, and, and he he remembers some things, but obviously not the key things. He doesn't remember it itself, or he doesn't remember exactly the friends he had. But there's some there's some memory there. I guess it's the writer of him that is able to recall it all. But yeah, I mean, he wants to, I mean, Bill gets Audra on Silver, and they go racing like he used to do as a kid, racing crazy. Very silver dangerously, away. unadvisable, unadvised, yeah. never, especially with a catatonic it. person with no helmet on. I mean, that should be a with <laughs> hey. like. Um, you can't be careful on a skateboard, y'all. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> the son of the Irish cops, like, oh, hey, boy, oh, you know, stop there with that bike and the catatonic woman. Um, <laughs> it ruins the whole book. And it's like, Think fine. Of your wife. <laughs> Think of your wife, laddie. That doesn't happen. I wish it did. And so, you know, he goes faster and faster. And like you said, Mel, it keeps coming back to him in this, in the future where we don't know where, what's happening with him and Audra. And, and he's able to beat the devil one more time. And, and he is able to Get awaken this. Audra. And he gets his happy ending, essentially. Boy, I needed that happy ending. Yeah, I, I did. I, I, I did, too. Like, I expected her to die. The yeah. Thing, but the- yeah. <laughs> we, needed, we needed some win. They, they lost. Obviously, they lost friends. 
and they lost all their memories. Like I needed some type of a win for somebody here. This is such a tough scene to tackle. And um, I I'm, I can't wait to talk about the miniseries, but yeah, I like but I, yeah, but I, I, I was really looking forward to this sequence and I wasn't sure if it was even in the book yeah. because I wasn't sure what was from the miniseries and what was from, you know, and, uh, and I, I really liked this section just as much. So, um, and I like the last lines here where he says, um, well, Bill races with Audra and then she awakens and he says, you know, she says, you know, I love you after she, she's fully awake. And he goes, I love you too, he said, and what else counts? So. Well, you just can't remember it. But. <laughs> yeah. You can't remember what else counts. You don't even yeah. know about what happened here. <laughs> it's like, uh, you I know still what? think it's a sad ending. The last line of the book is very sad. Yeah, what is, because after that, then they, I think I might even have that in my word processor section. I think that's why. it's. I'll save it for the word processor section. Okay. Sure. The very last line, yeah. It's it's the way he dreams again and just kind of reaching yeah. back and not yeah. fully remembering. And then we have the epigraph. This book was begun in Bangor, Maine on September 9th, 1981 and completed in Bangor, Maine on December 28th, 1985. Yeah, that's, a, wow, that's incredible that's, patience. And he also wrote a bunch of books in between too. Think about that. Not to jump to the end, but... <laughs> That's it. <laughs> wow. Now we have for, done it. The, uh, we finished book. Heroes and Villains. And Where's my shadow whiskey for this? I mean, let's think about This must be like 12, 13 hours, 15 hours probably at this well, point. And we didn't even, we could have slowed down at any given point, you know, like during what we were just doing to really dive into any of those scenes. But we couldn't because we have to keep on a schedule. We have to, we have to keep on silver. So <laughs> And we'll talk about some other things maybe we didn't talk about or dive into it more with our future sections that we're going to have here. So, so on that bittersweet note, um, let's let's just have a little more of the bitter, I guess, mm-hmm. um, and talk about after this this book that really affected us emotionally and is about the power of friendship. Um, what did we hate? That's right. Let's go to misery. Oh, just jump into the old misery. She she died. She just slipped away. Slipped away. Slipped away. She didn't just slip away. You did it. 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 You murdered my misery. Annie. Annie. We'll go around here in a circle if okay. you want to, I guess. Like the circle I opens. I don't have much. I don't, I don't have, have much either, lot. to be honest with you. No. A lot of we've already talked about. Uh, send them our power now. <laughs> I just, I just, I, stare. just don't like that little bit. But again, in the grand scheme of the craziness of the end of this book, it's, I give it the pass. Yeah, sure. It's, 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 it's fine. Um, I've got something that Dan actually alluded to in the last episode. There's a lot of weird blowing of scares. I think mm. um, the allusion to, oh, Henry's talking about Frankenstein tearing off Victor's head. Like, why didn't we just see that happen? That would have been a little more scary. Yeah. He's just telling Mike what happened there. Um, they kind of, somebody had mentioned, I can't remember who it was, that, um, you know, Bev and Bill come to the, the realization that, that that she had had sex with all of them when they were kids. Oh, yeah. I, like, I that's that, yeah. weird to bring that up and then kind of tease it out. There's a lot of weird foreshadowing that doesn't work for me. Or just like, and the, they're like, the, let's just go to bed. Yeah. <laughs> Interesting. Weirdo, I'm going to go to bed now. The Tom and Audra thing, like, like how we just find out about what happened to them, but we don't actually see it happen. And then just, uh, no, but the book yeah. is so long. Like, do you really think it just should have another hundred pages? Well, like, no, I no, no. I, I, no, but yeah. I think they could have cut out the four pages of the yeah. descriptive sex scene and then gone <laughs> yeah. back to that. I think the thing with Tom Mac might have alluded to this was just at least show us 
from his perspective, going down to the sewers and then encountering, as opposed to just having it kind of as a throwaway in a paragraph. Well, because they, and, they, and, and they and like spend so much him time only with to them. exist yeah. to take Audra down there essentially, and then just yeah, to be disposed yeah, of. Didn't yeah. work. That's another mystery for me. I don't know who else has something. I had, I had one on um, nine fifty four of my um, what do I have? Scribner? Mm. No, Simon and Schuster. Scribner. Yes, um, and I, I think it gets at. I used to love this book so much because I saw so much of myself in Bev and I loved Bev and I just love that she was like the one girl holding her own amongst these dudes. And I, I think this has been kind of a corruption and subversion of that childlike enchantment reading this as an adult, <laughs> um, exemplified in this little, this little bit here. It's when Ben and she are hiding, I think in the clubhouse this sense of that sense of protection was hard to define and she didn't try although much later she would recognize the source of its strength she was in the arms of a male who would die for her with no hesitation at all it was a fact that she simply knew it was in the scent that came from his pores something utterly primitive that her own glands could respond to yeah you always talk about how you're like does Stephen King know how a, a girl's body works <laughs> because like her glands like oh, interesting um, well it's also just so like i feel like he's trying to like he's like so on one end you have Tom and her father who are terrible dudes, yeah. but Ben is the good dude and he will protect her. And, it, and just like, can like, we just have her on her own yeah. doing yeah. some shit? Like, I hear you. I, I hear you on that one. I do. I do. Um, do you have anything specifically? Uh, we talked about some things yeah, already. I guess. About, I mean, part of one of the things I had was during the Bill and Bev sex scene in the beginning, where it was like, uh, for me, not uh, was page nine thirty in the the first edition. First edition. Thank you. Ooh, yeah, she got the real book fancy. here. It's got my dad's name on it. Uh, page 930 it says as he entered her she arched her back gently toward the thrust of his sex and muttered be my friend I love you Bill and I was just like <sighs> I wish she had said be my lover like the song be my lover be my, yeah that would have been even better it's just like these <laughs> random phrases like it just kind of yeah I'm not into most of King's like sex scenes because they seem kind of cheesy and everything but like I could I could follow along but then he inserts these like random and maybe it's because I'm not in some sort of situation where a killer clown's trying to kill me. True, and so true. I, I don't need to say, be my friend, love I love you. But like it just seemed like <laughs> a weird thing to say. <laughs> he always uses love also in, in like outside of the context of the word love. Like he'll say some, she'll, I don't know, it's like um put put your love in me or love yeah. me love or something like that. He spent I, his love in her. Yes, yes. It's so, that type yeah. of thing. Spent He's his very love. precious about yeah. He's very romantic. But it doesn't always work. I'll say that. He tries. He tries. Um, how about this? Remember when Eddie's wife was really paranoid that something would happen to him? Yeah. <laughs> what happened to her? Because like, they, they do say at the end, they're like, and Eddie's body will never be found either. And I'm like, so you didn't call his wife and tell him that, like, like tell her that her husband's dead? We, she is forgotten. She's with Al Pacino. Just I hope that, body. yeah, it was like, it was, it was her and then Beverly D'Angelo, hopefully, that she found some love. But I thought that was pretty funny of all that, like, all the paranoia actually came true. Um, I talked about the, the whole eggs thing. I just didn't, I didn't think it had to be there. I didn't, I, it just seemed a little like a, like a, la, like a last minute addition to, to a plot that was already moving sure. forward. You know, I don't, that's my thing. Um, my, my last thing before I, I see the floor is something that really bothered me. And it's in my Kindle edition. 
they misspelled sportscaster Bryant Gumble as G U M B L E. It's actually G U G U M B E L. So I yeah, just want to. We don't know if it's our universe, Justin. Oh, you're uh, yeah. right. Bryant and Greg Gumble were spelled differently yeah. in this when and where. You're uh, right. I but, take it back. But, I apologize. But we think. But they mentioned Al Pacino, so I think it is our universe. It might have been a different. Well, it's Al Pacino. not like every name. Yeah. Yeah. Or it could be Al Pacino. Al Pacino. Al Pacino. Yeah, you're probably right. I had one. I had one more thing. Oh yeah, yeah. And it's so minor, but it kind of caught me off guard. So there's a point where like Henry's chasing Bev. And mm-hmm. when he's looking for her, when they're doing it from his uh, perspective, he's standing in the river and they talk about how the, the water wa- boils over his sneakers. Then later, when he's climbing down into the, um, what is it called? The Morlock hole. Yeah, yeah. Um, and like they grab his leg and Richie is pulling and his shoe falls off. The shoe that falls off is called a, what do you say? A loafer. And I was like, that just threw me. Do we call sneakers and loafers? I don't know. For me, that's like a... Oh, no, I know. Yeah. yeah. I'm a sneaker for that kind of stuff. Well, tennis shoes were... No, I know we're getting really like historical here, but but, I'm trying to think of when like really effective or affordable tennis shoes for everybody were popular. Was that in the 60s? So I don't know if people even had had tennis shoes back then or sneakers. But then they, they do say tennis shoes at one point in the book too. Like I, I had a little bits like that. Like yeah, I, I understand yeah. If, if they, you know, that's I mean, if you're writing yeah. a, if you're writing a book that's thousand plus pages, you know, yeah. get, get, your, get your facts right. Yeah, don't throw. <laughs> well, I guess like don't throw specific like facts at me and then fuck yeah. it up later. That's I feel like between that and the and the, yeah. and the yeah. Bryant Gumble gaff, yeah. you know, I mean, <laughs> it's just irresponsible writing. Yeah, I don't. I had I had one more of, of okay. a, like just a weird writing thing it's just one sentence on 1054 bill held the match up dot 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 and uttered a long trembling despairing screech, screech? Like, what the fuck does that sound like <laughs> that is too know. many adjectives to describe a screech that sounds like or something like that <laughs> oh much like uh, i won't say anything else won't say anything else <laughs> they're all screaming and he like ran out of ways to like Scream. describe that's just too many just say he screeched I'm okay with that. I would rather just say he seemed like Screech Powers or something like <laughs> oh, that. Oh, God. Let's go. I don't Save have anything bell. else. Yeah. Oh, and obviously, I, 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 I told are... you my issues with the child orgy scene. I still feel like... Yeah, that's in here. You're, the, you're the... setting yourself up for for yeah. people to be critical. And... I just had the power, the ritual of Bev, and then the, <laughs> the nightmare spider beyond time and space, although I like yeah. that line. Um, but again, uh, not not a whole lot. Yeah. yeah, of misery in this section, or or for the book, really. But so did you get did you get the creepy crawlies at any point in time? Well, um, we should talk about that. Kind of creepy right now. Yeah. Mm. Oh, well, then I know where you belong. Ooh. Where? In the cemetery. What's the bottom of the truth? Well, sometimes that is better. The person you put up there ain't the person that comes back. It may look like that person but it ain't that person because whatever lives in the ground beyond that cemetery ain't human at all randall eat your heart out uh okay i'm just gonna run down a couple and then we obviously go around yeah Bev, we talked about this already. Bev running in through the town Mm. away from her father and everyone's just ignoring it i thought it was just really creepy as well as Henry, just even when he's a child, being haunted by the moon, uh, mm-hmm. just kind of stuck with me. What about you? I guess one of them was, yeah, like you were talking about Bev in the chase scene. But also, um, 
I was looking at like Mr. Gray. We talked about this earlier with sending the knife and having an address, like a return address, but it, it, it I forgot what the exact address was that was on there. There was another thing that I had for Cemetery, which was like the scene with Audra in the hotel room. Yeah. Yeah, and like where the the finger comes out and like grazes across her heel. That's that exactly what I have. Yeah. Oh my God, even just the light coming on in the bathroom yes. is so freaky. Yeah. I, I think for me, to, to piggyback off of that, is yeah, I have the thing, the cold finger caressing the bare heel, mm-hmm. which happens a couple other times in the section. That creeps me out more than anything. It's like the teasing almost. It's like something's right behind you, you know? Like, that's the fear you have if you've got your feet hanging over your bed. Is there something just grazing your your ankle? And that, that, that creeps me out more than just somebody tearing somebody's head off, essentially, you know? I don't know. That, that, that's definitely one for me. Um, I've got, I think it's page 938, when Mike sees the head of Belch on a jack-in-the-box mm-hmm. when he's going delirious, when Henry stabs him. Oh, yeah. Uh, which reminded totally reminded me of It's a Good Life, the Twilight Zone episode, episode where yeah. the, he turns the guy into the jack-in-the-box and it's just really unnerving. Send him into the cornfield. Uh, yeah, mm. yeah. Um, then um, the description of Henry as he gets thrashed with the Perrier bottle, that's <laughs> just yeah, you know, disgusting. Um, also, when they when they go into the room and Henry's just kind of winking at them and the, the corpse looks mm-hmm. like it's winking at them, I thought mm. it was really creepy. Um, yeah, I thought the whole scene in the library was really creepy. How he sees him from the feet up and the glittering eyes after having the sense of being watched, and again just realizing it's a physical presence that can really hurt him. Yeah, um, and, and also Bev once they see Henry's dead body, saying he still looks just like mm, a kid, essentially, yeah. like he never really grew up. That's creepy as hell, yeah. too. I wanted to read the bit where they realize that like not 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 everything is okay in the adult world. Mm. On 988, Mike thought of lunch with Bill. Bill's mother had been off in her own dreamy world, seeming not to see either of them, reading a Henry James novel while the boys made sandwiches and gobbled them standing at the counter. Richie thought of Stan's neat but utterly empty house. Stan had been a little surprised. His mother was almost always home at lunchtime. On the few occasions when she wasn't, she left a note saying where she could be reached, but there had been no note today. The car was gone, and that was all. Probably went shopping with her friend Debbie, Stan said, frowning a little. He had set to work making egg salad sandwiches. Richie had forgotten about it. Until now. Eddie thought of his mother. When he had gone out with his Barchese board, there had been none of the usual cautions. Be careful, Eddie. Get undercover if it rains, Eddie. Don't you dare play any rough games, Eddie. She hadn't asked if he had his aspirator, hadn't told him what time to be home, hadn't warned him against those rough boys you play with. She had simply gone on watching her soap opera story on TV as if he didn't exist. As mm-hmm. if he didn't exist. Ugh. Yep. Uh, yeah, we talked about it a little earlier, too. I, I agree. That That... That really bothers me. Just the knowing that nobody's going to be there for you, you know. Uh, everybody's just turned their back on you. Essentially, love it, love it. Um, I have. Oh, to go back to the chase scene, mm-hmm. I've got a part here where uh, little Lars sees Al Marsh running after Bev, mm-hmm. and he said, "And there's a bit here that King writes. He goes, he saw something terrible and inhuman in Mr. Marsh's face. He had nightmares for three weeks after." In them, he saw Mr. Marsh turning into a spider inside his clothes. Nice. Uh, nice nice little foreshadowing. That's nice foreshadowing there, too, by the way. Um, <laughs> I thought there were bits of the eye that were so gross. Oh, I agree. Yeah. I've got something there, too. If you, yeah. I got... Um, go ahead. No, you go You go first, man. All right. So, um, on 1042, Bill put out a hand and it slapped into a 
gluey yielding wetness the eye his mind screamed oh god i got my hand in the eye oh god oh dear sweet god the eye my hand in the eye that's that would be going through my head too to be fair because yeah for me eye horror is like something like i can't i can't watch it because like i'm very sensitive about my eyes so as much as it was cheesy to me like the the idea of like ripping the eye open or being in its goop that creeps me out I'm, i'm literally like trembling over here but with within that section, um, once again, in the darkness, Bill felt those branch-like tentacles caress his ankles, his shins, but he could not move. His body was frozen solid. Ugh. Again, that just like the imagine things like just teasing, caressing your legs. Mm-hmm. Yeesh, I say. Uh, yeah. I think I had one more, and that was like we talked about this earlier. The scene of them uh, belching Henry in the car, mm. but just like so when he's starting to kind of apologize in a way to Belch, and Belch doesn't say anything, he just turns his head. And I like the description that um, I can't find the exact point where he first talks about, but the second point where that scream of dried tendons again, Belch looking at him again with his one sunken eye and his lips stretched in a terrible grin that revealed gray black gums, which mm. were growing their own garden of mold. And it was like, Oof, just, I could hear like that kind of sound, the squelching and the squishing of everything as he's like turning and like that would cre- like, yeah. if Belch was talking to me in the car and I was in that car, it would still freak me out. But I'd be like, okay, at least there's some sort of commentary. It's not, to- I'm not totally crazy, but like him just staring and then going back. And then when he passes out for a little bit and he wakes up and Belch is still driving, but his face is like right in his face. Yeah. Like. Ooh, that gave me a little bit of a... Belch is consistently creepy throughout this entire thing. Anytime <laughs> he shows up in anybody's imaginings or anything, it is he is just creep, creepified. But yeah, that, that, that right in the beginning of that section when it just says his face was a hanging ruin. Yeah. Like, th- that, all the descriptions that you just read, that was on mine as well. Yeah, it's really creepy. There was something else here about that section that reminded me of... I forgot to write this down, but tell me what everybody thinks of this. This actually might be in my King's Dominion section, but I might as well read it now. Um, this is when he's about to leave the car. Henry stared, his heart beating painfully in his throat, and then he seemed to hear something move and shift in the back seat. Mm. Yeah, what the hell? Is that what supposed is to be it? George LeBay? Like, I don't know. And he's going to take over like the car a, again or something like more that? More Pennywise? Like, I don't know, don't but know. that was really left to your imagination as to what maybe, that could possibly maybe be. Maybe it's just Victor... Or yeah, Victor I back just yeah, it might yeah. have been Victor or Belch moved to the back because doesn't Belch disappear when he looks back into the car? Is Belch still that's sitting? I thought when that he gets Belch, out, looks back, he's gone. But I was just thinking, my who would th- be shifting in the back? Well, seat? My thought was that Belch like climbed into the back seat. And yeah, just, like, that's weird. I, anyway, I, I thought so that was strange. that was that was creepy too. Yeah, uh, the description of Eddie's arm when mm. that gets Ugh. when he gets torn off or whatever. Mm. Uh, when it gets broken or when it gets bitten off? Both. both. <laughs> Either way. I, I, mine was when it gets bitten off. Yeah. There was some other ones, but it's all stuff we kind of already went into detail with uh, as we read through the book. Yeah. I, there's, so. the, the, there's a lot of hints of um, like the jaunt here that get to me. The eternity mm-hmm. in the deadlights is very scary where he says, yeah. I'm, I'm looking at page 1071. Um where it existed as a titanic glowing core, which might be no more than the smallest moat in that other's mind. Mm. He would see it naked, a thing of unshaped, destroying light. And there he would either be mercifully annihilated or live forever, insane and yet conscious inside its homicidal, endless, formless, hungry being. Uh, pass, as Justin Gerber A hard pass, say. hard pass. Hard out. <laughs> yeah. I'm a hard out on that. We talked about 
uh, Mike not knowing if he's getting through on the phone because Pennywise is still screaming at him the entire yeah. time. Yes. I uh, I love this description though of when Georgie is attacking Bill or the Georgie guys is attacking Bill. And Bill could smell its breath, and it was a smell like exploded animals lying on the highway at midnight. Mm. It's something like exploded animals lying on the highway at midnight. Saying, mm. That's a gross descriptor. That but, whole Georgie um, scene is like pus is running down his oh, face yeah. the whole time. Like Gruesome. Tears. Yeah. Psychologically damaging as well, you know. It's his little brother. Can you imagine Mac coming up to me with exploded... If you, if you can't recall, that's his little brother. <laughs> of course. We should, do we have established that, by the way? Sure. Um, yeah, but I mean, again, this was more of an, an action-packed uh, section, obviously. Uh, you know, we're resolving things, but there were still some creepy moments, obviously, for me. But that's all I've got right now for the cemetery. But whose first read was this? Was it Mac's first read and that's it? No, no also Aisha. Yeah. yeah. Did you guys think, like, did you ever fear that they might not come out on top, or did you think it seemed pretty preordained? Uh, I think for me, I kind of knew, like, because they kept foreshadowing the entire way through that, like, some people were going to die, and I figured the core people would stay alive. I knew Mike wasn't going to die because of just kind of, like, watching the miniseries and, like, yeah. remembering him, like, getting pulled out. Um, I I guess I knew it was going to be a happy, a completely happy ending. I just wanted to see, I wasn't sure how it would play out and, mm-hmm. like, what would be the connections to the end. Yeah, and I, I didn't know exactly how. I mean, I had seen the miniseries many times, but I didn't know how faithful that was, you know. So I wasn't sure who exactly was going to live, or if it was like so and so dies in the book, but in the mo- movie, it's different. It was a different person, or I don't know. So um, reading it was pretty dismal. I mean, I definitely thought that some that some things were going to happen that I did not know about. Um, and and some and they do everything kind of happens the way it does in the, in the miniseries in terms of characters and who lives and who dies, but it happens slightly different ways. So mm-hmm. I felt like it was still kind of interesting, or like Mike being attacked in the hospital. I didn't see that coming because yeah, that's not that. in the movie or anything and stuff like that. But um, there's definitely enough changes to keep you on your yeah, toes. You've yeah, yeah, the movie me, or the miniseries. Yeah, I was still extremely interested or whatever. But yeah, yeah. Um, or it's even, a mark of a very good writer to keep you interested. Absolutely. Yeah. Especially the 1100 page book. Yeah. yeah. And on that, on that note, let's ah. talk about the writing that we liked in a section we like to call word processor of the God. And we're going to make a new rule. Whenever I'm in here, you hear me typing. Whether you don't hear me typing, whether the fuck you hear me doing in here when I'm in here, that means that I am working. That means don't come in. How do you think you can handle that? Yeah. Fine. Why don't you start right now and get the fuck out of here? Justin, I know you always have a lot for this. Um, do you want to kick it off? Uh, yeah. Okay. Um, I, 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 except for obviously the the inner workings of Bev's desires of of how Ben is a good boy in the smoke hole. I do like the smoke hole. I mean, in the clubhouse, I actually do like how you know Bev tells Ben that she knows it was him, and Ben denies it. You know, he feels uncomfortable, and then she tells him, you know, thank you. And Oh, no, she tells him, you know, no, it was sweet. And then I like how poor little Ben just goes, thank you. He, he said, he paused trying and brought it out. He was even he was even able to look at her as he said it. I, I wrote the poem. It's like, oh, <laughs> <laughs> love little Ben. Uh, I just thought that was a nice little sweet moment uh, between two kids. Anyway, uh, that's one thing I've got written. Anybody else have anything? 
Um, I have one where uh, Bill is kind of like, he and Bev are walking out of the library after their like midnight session. Um, <laughs> not not the sex part, but like at the library. Yeah. And he looks back at Ben and he basically, uh, um, I couldn't, I didn't write the page number down on my notes on this, unfortunately, but I wrote what paragraph it was. It was the first paragraph with italics. And it basically was um, paraphrasing the lo- that love is what matters better than no comfort at all. And it was kind of like, why is Bill going home with Bev instead of Ben? And it was kind of like, I wish you could, buddy, but like we're at this point, this is fated to be, mm-hmm. and it should just matter that we love each other, and that's all that counts. Which goes ties back to what Bill says at the end to at Audra. End. So. Right. Mm-hmm. so yeah, it supersedes like jealousy and all these petty emotions. Doesn't matter. They really did a good job. There, there, there's okay never, there's never a moment in the in the grown up sections where Ben and Bill have it out. There's yeah. never a moment like no, that. No, there's which, never a moment of competition. Yeah, yeah, I like that a lot. They could, he could have easily it, devolved into that, but they never, it never gets there. They did such an understanding between all of them as soon as I they. Think ben reunite. had a little bit of like light jealousy, but, but there's never like a confrontation. It was never confrontational. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. That's yeah, what like I like to know. Yeah, Ben even says he would never blame Bill or Bev if like, yeah. that's how things shook out. Exactly. But you'd be sad. Oh, he's definitely – I feel sad for him, especially as a kid. But anyway, um, Mac, do you have something? We walked through a lot of these, mm. so I don't want to repeat them. That's fine. I mean, um, do you have anything Mel written out or anything? Or? Yeah, I had a couple that were like – I'll choose one that were just descriptions of the Barons. And when they go back as adults – this is on page 1018 of the Scribner – the path, their path, had long since grown over, and they had to force themselves through tangle, tangles of thorn bushes, prickers, and wild hydrangea so fragrant it was cloying. Crickets sang somnolently all around them, and a few lightning bugs, early arrivals at summer's luscious party, poked at the dark. Bill supposed kids still played down here, but they had made their own runs and secret ways. Mm. Yeah, like just like all the bugs. Ways. And there's another part where Bill is looking at the barons and thinks, like, there's so much life down here. Um, yeah, I think that's when they get out. I I think that's what he's thinking about. Yeah. I remember that part too. That's near the end. Um, I want to talk, we talk, we tease this, we, we tease some of this out. Um, when Eddie's dying, I think that for everything that Eddie had been through as a kid, obviously they all went through things as a kid, but just his upbringing and in his adult life, I just thought that the fact that he was never able to find peace until he's dying, there's something comforting in that. And I'll read, I'll read this bit here. The, the full the full section, I should say. Uh, far away, unimportant. He could feel everything running out of him along with his life's blood. All the rage, all the pain, all the fear, all the confusion and hurt. He supposed he was dying, but he felt, oh God, he felt so lucid, so clear, like a pain which has been washed clean. And now it's in all the glorious, frightening light of some unsuspected dawning. The light, oh God, that perfect rational light that clears the horizon somewhere in the world every second, becoming clearer and clearer, emptying out. All the impurities flowing out of him so he could become so clear so that the light could flow through. And if he had enough time, he could have preached on this. He could have sermonized. Not bad, he would begin. This is not bad at all. I, I like that a lot for a little Eddie on the way. Eddie Spaghetti. Yeah. Uh, this section is actually really long. It's at page 1149 in the Scribner edition, I believe. It's it's the section on leaving. No no one read this, right? What's it? I don't think no. so. It's the no. um, leaving. So you leave, and there's an urge to look back, to look back just once as the sunset fades, to see that s- severe New England skyline one final time, the spires, the standpipe, Paul with his axe slung over his shoulder. But it was perhaps not such a good idea to look back. All the stories say so. Look what happened to Lot's wife. 
best not to look back. Best to believe there will be happily ever after all the ways around. And so there may be. Who is there to say that will, will not be such endings? Not all boats which sail away into darkness never find the sun again or the hand of another child. If life teaches anything at all, it teaches that there are so, that so many happy endings that the man who believes there is no God needs this rationality called into serious question. Hmm. This goes on for more, a few more paragraphs, but that I just this whole section here, it's it's just the whole idea of just like leaving your childhood. It's yeah. just pretty gorgeous. Yeah. King is away with with uh, writing about childhood. Gonna, as we've established <laughs> yeah. a couple times, I think. <laughs> Believe it or not, breaking <laughs> news. <laughs> King King writes children pretty good. Um, um, is anybody else have anything else? I have one more. Yeah. And yeah. it's actually one particular line within the um the paragraph that catches my attention, but um, so it's in pa- on page one thousand fifty five, and it's when Bill is fighting um, with it, and it's be- and being sent far out, and he kind of feels like he's. It, this is when he's hearing both the physical version of him talking to him, as well as the the uh, deadlights version talking to him, and he's losing the signal of. Um, the earth version. So he says, not just to send him out to whatever it really was, but to break their mental communication. If that ceased, he would be utterly destroyed to pass beyond communication was to pass beyond salvation. Hmm. He understood that from much from the way his parents had behaved toward him after George had died, it was the only lesson the refrigerated coldness had had that had had to teach him. And it's that line that says to pass beyond communication was to pass beyond salvation. Yeah, that's that caught my my it's attention. It's hugely too. important. Yeah. yeah. It's just it's the whole reason why they're able to do anything is because they share with each other their fears and just even their belief in it initially, even when some of them are reluctant to do so. It's like a integral component of their friendship. It's so yeah. important to hide. And it's what the rest of the town can't do. Right. I guess I you need your friends. It's pretty interesting just to think of like even in a human context of how we interact with each other as mm-hmm. well. Like when we're able to like open up and that's how we make friendships and like establish who we can trust and who we have connections with. Even if we don't see them for years on end, if we needed to come back and kill a psycho killer <laughs> uh, space alien clown, we could. So I think that for me resonated a lot. Yeah, I mean, it, it just ties into, like we, we said, the yeah. entire relationships that have been building this entire time and the importance. So, agreed. I've I liked got, one, oh, one bit from, from its perspective um, that I liked about the quality of the human imagination. It had come here long after the turtle withdrew into its shell here to Earth, and it had discovered a depth of imagination here that was almost new, almost of concern. This quality of imagination made the food very rich. Its teeth rent flesh gone stiff with exotic terrors and voluptuous fears. They dreamed of night beasts and moving muds. Against their will, they contemplated endless gulfs. And that's why we're the best kind of food. Oh, (laughs) yeah. It also, on the next page, said it had made a great self-discovery. It did not want change or surprise. It did not want new things ever. It wanted only to eat and sleep and dream and eat again. And I just like this story of my life of, of it as like conservatism in that way. Yeah. <laughs> eat, drink, repeat. Um, I've got one more, but it's the last paragraph. So uh, if somebody we'll else has anything else, yeah, well, that's I'm what done. mine was. So go for it. Yeah. Everybody else have anything else? Yeah. Okay, I will. Yeah. Read. I think Mel, you alluded to this earlier. That the yeah. the last. Um, he awakens from this dream, unable to remember exactly what it was or much at all beyond the simple fact that he has dreamed about being a child again. He touches his wife's smooth back as she sleeps her warm sleep and dreams her own dreams. 
He thinks it is good to be a child, but it is also good to be grown up and able to consider the mystery of childhood, its beliefs and desires. I will write about all of this one day, he thinks, and knows it's just a dawn, though, an after-dreaming thought. But it's nice to think so far a while, in the morning's clean silence, to think that childhood is its own sweet secrets and confirms mortality, and that mortality defines all courage and love. To think that what has looked forward must also look back, and that each life makes its own imitation of mortality, a wheel. Keep that in mind, everybody. <laughs> or so Bill Denbrough sometimes thinks, on those early mornings after dreaming, when he almost remembers his childhood and the friends with whom he shared it. Nailed it. So sad. Nailed it. I mean, nailed it, right? I mean, that's what a great ending to that yeah. to that yeah. story. I need um, like something yeah. spongy to sop up my tears. Oh, I, I, I've just been baking something. Yeah. <laughs> oh, what is it? Oh, Mel, I don't know if you know this, but Mac made cookies for all of us. Uh, but you're not here to enjoy the cookies. Uh, I also made... God damn some it, Justin. Pound cake. I also made some pound cake. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you fucked up our transition. After all you've been taught, everyone in bad mama, everything in the sin. Come to your closet and pray. Ask to be forgiven. He's a nice boy, mom. You like him. You really like him, mama. We're finally here. This is why everyone's listening to this. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've got... We've got page 944... Bill's Bill talks about oh, I got to slow down or I'm gonna shoot in my pants yeah. like a kid, and they talk about his stony thickness. Damn it, Mac! That's the like one of the things I had the stony thickness of Bill's cock. Wait, what about even before then? Nine fifteen. Yeah, Mons Venerous. Thank you. I was like, I wrote it down and underlined it and circled it. Mons hey, I can't say I'm yeah. Venerous. He wondered what it would be like to touch her breasts for the second time in his life, and suspected that before this long night was over, he would know. Fuller now, mature, and his hand would find hair when he cupped the swelling of her mons venerous. <laughs> Ooh, how erotic. Uh, Justin? Uh, I do have one thing here. It's, it's, it's more of a fart bit. Um, it's when Belch and Henry, and they're all looking for uh, Bev, and Bev is hidden with Ben under the clubhouse roof. Yeah. And it says, uh, Ben, I'm sorry, Belch lets out a loud and fruity trumpet blast that seemed to go on for at least three seconds. I like how the kids also start laughing at how loud this fruity is. Trumpet a fruity trumpet Fruity trumpet. That's disgusting. A fruity <laughs> trumpet Because I'm blast. like, what kind of fruit? And uh, I think like Fruit Loops or something yeah, like that he had that morning with like milk. Fruity. He is not embarrassed when he later learns that he was sitting right on top of them. It never even occurs to him. Oh, he's, he's such like, a d- disturbed individual to begin with. But yeah, that's all I actually have. Because even the, really? um, the orgy scene, there's nothing really... Yeah. Uh, funny or anything like that about the way it's written. It's kind of, you know, tender, obviously, you know. But well, anyway, I have Mac. one yeah, more from Bev, more, but go Bev, ahead. And, yeah. Bev and Bill. Oh. Is that what you have too? Uh, maybe. Go for it. Um, she became aware that this wasn't going to be just a come. It was going to be a tactical, tactical nuke. nuke. Yeah. <laughs> I can imagine like putting on our sunglasses, yeah. like, check it out. That CSI was, Miami. That's definitely one I had, yeah. Uh, she did something here? Or? Uh, I had two... Ooh. That are kind of within the same context of like the, the the Bill and Bev sex scene, going back. And the first part is like right before they're actually having sex, where they're talking about. Uh, and I think one of you referenced, maybe it was Mel, where every time they're holding hands and feeling the power, of Bev is somehow doing something sexual, yeah. <laughs> sexually related. So mine is page nine hundred in my version, first edition. Bev's hips bucked twice fiercely as if an orgasm as short and sharp as the crack of a twenty two pistol. And I... Boom! Just, I, I felt that. Boom. I felt what that 
No, I didn't. <laughs> We've all been there. We've all felt that crack of a twenty two pistol. <laughs> Um, what, what else did you have? Uh, Safe section. Was, it was talking about it was talking about Bill's erection again and how he's getting an exalting sense of power from his rock hard erection, and every <laughs> mention of like erections in this book <laughs> has like this fun little additive a- adjective stony rock hard like a branch. So I've been I should have started taking notes and like well, listing. I've got all another the one. I've got another. Is it the one near the end? <laughs> it is. Ooh. Yeah. So hey, in, in one of my favorite moments the of the time. book, <laughs> one of my favorite moments of the book. Well, I don't have the actual line written down, but uh, Audra happens to put her hand down there, and it's a cheerful erection. I'm sorry. <laughs> it says she doesn't just happen to. She grabs his crotch, oh, where there was a huge and cheerful erection. It was like a, a, a huge and sorrowful erection. Yeah, huge and. He, he really associates erections with like these moments of power that have nothing to do with sex yeah. at all, and it's it always takes me out of it. Like it's just like they're having this great yeah. moment, and it's like yeah. also he was hard as a fucking rock. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I can't I can't relate to this at all. I don't know. What I'm wondering about. though, is that like he's writing this because again he's under the influence, and he like looks down, he's like, shit, I have a rock hard. Erection. I'm writing the fuck out of this let's, book. Let's do this. Bill's has an erection. I have an erection. We're all having an erection at the same time. Uh, I hope that the circle happens. opens. I imagine every time he talks about erections, he has. As an erection. I hope so. <laughs> let's let's let me text great. him again and see if he gets back to me on this one. Well, I hope that's not true, especially when he's writing the orgy scene. But oh Jesus! Ooh, well, uh, all right. <laughs> so, uh, okay. Now we're moving. Are we on all from... full? Have we had our taste of pound cake? Oh, yeah. yeah. All right. All right. Let's jump on that turtle and go for a ride. Oh yeah. Where are we going? Through the, en- through the entirety of King's Dominion. There's another world out there. I have. I guess some things here. Four, but one we've mentioned at nauseum. The well, yeah. Theory. Can someone just read the introduction of Christine? I just like that moment. <laughs> Somebody can find uh, it. I think I've got it. Hold on. Yeah. Someone else do another one. I got. Okay. It. I got it. Okay, you got okay, it. Go. go. Yeah, he reached the intersection of the seminary path and the sidewalk and peered at the car, trying to make sense out of the Hulk behind the wheel. But it was the car he recognized first. It was the one his father always swore he would own someday, a 1958 Plymouth Fury. It was red and white, and Henry knew, hadn't his father told him often enough, that the engine tumbling under the hood was a V8 327, available horsepower of 255, able to hit 70 from the get-go in just about nine seconds, gobbling high tests through its four-barrel carb. I'm going to get that car, and then when I die, they can bury me in it, Butch had been fond of saying. Except, of course, he had never gotten the car, and the state had buried him after Henry had been taken away, raving and screaming of monsters to the funny farm. Oof. Christine, her fury, her vengeance. Maybe it's his dad in the back. I don't know. Ooh. Oh, you guys uh, wish. God bless him. I don't have the... Oh, I do have the page number. It's page 1138 in Scribner. When they're trying to remember people's names, they mm-hmm. they they meant they say so and so Underwood. Yeah, and I gotta think it's a little Larry Underwood mention uh, nod. I, I I can write that down for some reason, but I do remember that moment. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and then the only other stand one I had was the ten sixty nine. Um, they say they be brave, be true, stand, stand, mm-hmm. and that's when they're fighting it. Very stand reference, yeah. yeah. Um, anybody else have somewhere? I've got a couple here. Go with it. Yeah, go I for it. I've only got one more. I just thought the sewers bit was like very Shawshank. I, yeah. Because the he, they're just like climbing through shit. Like oh, Stephen yeah. King loves to write about people climbing through shit. Or living like a porta potty or something like that too. Yeah. 
future short story that will disturb everybody. Um, Richie is staying in room 217. Yes, that was the next one I had. Okay, sorry, Mike, I took that from you. No, that's fine. Um, During Darius' collapse, a woman in Haven Village named Rebecca Paulson found a $50 bill fluttering from her backdoor welcome mat, two 20s in her birdhouse, and a hundred plastered against an oak tree in her backyard. She and her husband used the money to make an extra two payments on their bombardier skidoo. Rebecca Paulson is a major character in the Tommyknockers. Oh. And is also, the Tommyknockers was a um, an extended version of a Stephen King short story called, I believe, The Revelations of Becca Paulson. Huh. And it's the same person. Interesting. Um, nice. Okay, here we go. Let's do some numbers fun, shall we? <laughs> It's getting real. Some Gerberlytics. Keep Gerberlytics ahead. Keeping in mind that Tom died in the sewers before Derry started to collapse. Mm. Before Derry started to collapse and people were dying because of it. Okay, keep this in mind. So, we learn that Derry sees the deaths of 67 people killed and 320 injured. But if you add Eddie to the tally, because he died during the disaster and during the Derry collapse... The total number of dead and injured people comes to 388 people. Three plus eight plus eight equals... Is it 19? It's 19. (laughs) And here's another number one. Some numerics here. The grown-up losers emerge from the sewers at six minutes of 11, which makes the time 1054. 10 plus five plus four equals... 21. (laughs) Blackjack. 19 equals 19. It makes... Why does King like nineteen? I'm still not. Is, what he is ju- it's just the number that uh, is he born on the nineteenth. Yeah. Just the number that means. I don't know. Just that means everything. His first orgasm when he was nineteen. He probably was rock hard and had an <laughs> orgasm at nineteen with a powerful the rock of the ages. A stony thickness. He has nineteen orgasms at one time. Damn. Folks, I have one. Oh, you got two, one more. Room two three seven. Oh, go ahead. Oh, uh, page one thousand one hundred and ten. Richie says, and this is a little stretch, but I, I wouldn't be room 237 if it wasn't. He says, try this, you bitch. Do you love it? Do you love oh. it? He says it. Oh. And I, I wanted to so say close. that it is like, I wish he had just said, do you love? Yeah. Because it would have been such a great little throwback to the raft. I thought and, that. And uh, don't they mention that Nona. in the story? In that a couple, Nona. And also yeah, Nona, there's yeah. one other one that they reference it into. Yeah. God, I wish they had, he had just left off it at that point. Oh, well. Like, like we don't say it enough in this book. Well, well, all the wheel stuff. I mean, Mac, do you want to go to your Mac heavy section? No, the things we we're not going to do. The things we gleaned along the have been okay. gleaned. The wheel at the very end in that last <laughs> the paragraph. Wheel, I mean, the wheel. wheel. We, yeah. we did talk about that. Everything else that I had on here, um, you the know, turtle, there's obviously. a lot of like turtle. Can I help us? The turtle, this, that, and the turtle shows up for God's sakes and has like becomes a character in the fucking yeah. story. So, <laughs> Can't talk about um, there isn't Cosmic anything shit. that we haven't. Hadn't already covered. It. Yeah. Okay. We gleaned that well, turtle. Beams I mean, gleaned. If, if you guys are done with your King's Dominion, then it's time to rate the book using the rating system that is derived from this very book. I can't believe it. Dad, can we go now? You ready? Yeah, we've been ready for an hour. <laughs> okay, I'll be right there. You said that a half hour ago. Yeah, my dad's weird. He gets like that when he's writing. I will will go first um, with my final thoughts on it. I have always said that this 
is my favorite Stephen King book, or at least I've always said that it's tied with Pet Cemetery as my favorite Stephen King book. I think to reiterate what I've said on these episodes, it is an epic that succeeds because of the intimacy with which it becomes epic. It's really an epic across seven people and their friendships and the friendship feels very real and very emotionally resonant to both children and adults. And I think one of the most admirable things this book does is that it, it, it almost actually reads like it was written for children, even though it's definitely not like children shouldn't be reading this book, No, no. but the way that it is presented and the way it reads it, it just accesses that part of me at least and definitely makes you feel very childlike and the way that he is able to actually switch that tone. I love how much more serious just the tone and the language becomes once we get into the grown up sections and how his writing actually mirrors the transition between childhood and adulthood. Um, I do agree with him that this book is kind of a mess, like formally, that he didn't really like know how to organize it, that maybe things got lost or loose ends didn't get tied up or things weren't very satisfying. And I do think that his treatment of Bev um, ended up being a disappointment to me this go around when I had really looked forward to returning to what I had once seen as a nuanced portrayal because I was a child myself. Mm. Um, So because of all of this, um, I do, I do still think it, it succeeds um, but I will I'll downgrade it to a four four bright red Pennywise uh, bright red Pennywise clown noses out of five, um, which means Pet Cemetery is in my top slot. But this is something this is I'm going to read this book multiple times before I die. Yeah, again. I hear you. Um, yeah, I'll, I'll run down these ones real quick here. Dan Caffrey, he sent his he says four and a half white wed Pennywise clown noses for this loser. And he's got a clown balloon and turtle emoticons. <laughs> uh, Randall says four and a half bright red Pennywise clown noses almost five due to the completeness of the vision and the wonderful ensemble but it's undeniably unwieldy at times and too much wacky horror we joked about that especially in the last episode I, I kind of agree with that uh, Mike's is a little longer so we'll read this one if we're to take it as a tome of King's strengths it's an epic success fueled by the greatest hits of horror tropes that can and should scare every reader both constant and new this isn't the gateway book for King as most attest to although it could be Reason being, the strongest facet to the 1,200-page epic is the theme of friendship, something King nails with precision, an expansion of the, of the seeds he set in motion with the body from, the different, from different seasons. For that, it works great if you're a kid and even better if you're an adult, dealing with the growing pains of success, failure, heartbreak, loss, or more often than not here, what could have been. I'd be lying if I said I wouldn't revisit this again in the future and truly be lying if I said it wasn't the conceit of this podcast. <laughs> True. <laughs> so for this loser... Mike Trashmouth Rothman, he says here, and that little bastard. <laughs> I give it four and a half bright red Pennywise clown noses. So there we go. Um, Aisha, what All do you right. got? So as a newbie mm. coming into this in the sense of never reading the book, but watching the movies first and then coming back as my chair slowly turns away from the microphone. So maybe <laughs> it knows. Uh, I, this was a... This was a, a relationship that was very hard for me because, mm. A, I was reading it. It's a lot. It's a lot. And um, yeah. coming into it with no kind of background, uh, it was hard for me sometimes to, like, struggle through, especially because I was like, I have to have things that are ready. And I was kind of not reading it so much to just, like, intake it, but also to, like, reflect on it and have, like, notes on it. Yeah. I definitely will try to read it. Again, in my, as Mel said several times before I die, I might 
lose out a few times on that. But uh, <laughs> I thoroughly enjoyed it. There, again, were many parts where I was sickened in the sense of, like, uh, the we could have cut out like a good 900 pages that would have been happy. Um, there's other parts where I was kind of disappointed where we had talked about this and other things as well as today. Like he could have fleshed out these scenes more, given me more information and I would have been way happier than like the excess that he went into. But then again, I remember the context of what the, this was written under. So, and it, but it did creep me out. It did give me, I learned a lot of new words for sure. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I learned about thenotic or whatever. This was in the last chapter. Uh, So I would give this three and a half to four bright red noses. 3.75 bright red penguins. Because there were times where I was feeling the high with Steven. And then there were times where I was like, I need to put this down. I might. Yeah, I dig it. (laughs) I got you. I got you. Mac. Uh, So this is my first time reading the book. And it it really met all my expectations. There were things, obviously, that we said, you know, were dated or whatever, you know, in the time in which it was written. But um, uh, for me, I, I got to give it, I got to give it four and a half bright red Pennywise clown noses. It's 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 really up there for me. I, I think, uh, and I don't know who was saying it, but it's just the epic quality of the book. It. I felt like it was, it was very earned. Um, there weren't whole sections where I just felt like they could have just completely cut this. Like I felt like it was all, it all led to something, you know? And, um, I, uh, yeah, it just, it, 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 it did it for me. It's, it's a four and a half or for, for the loser. Did I give the lowest? Um, I'm so sorry, Steven. No, it's okay. Apologizing. No, no. no, I mean, I like mean, I always, I always put these books up against my fave, which is, is like the dead, the dead zone. This is a completely different book, but it's, it's hard to kind of gauge. Well, where, where does it fall on the Pantheon? But, but yeah, so for me, it's, it's four and a half. Um, I think, every, I think Mike and everybody said, you know, gorgeous things about it and I, I don't really have anything else to add, but, um, yeah. Yeah. I'll try to add some more gorgeous platitudes if, <laughs> okay. if I can possibly something else. Give like, us that gorge. Here Not we go. Poetically. Let's get my my my, uh, my quill pen out here and start writing. Hopefully, it doesn't disappear. Um, I think it's also a testament. We haven't really talked about this that much. Is that King? Not just King, but a lot of writers will write these thousand-page books, and you always look back and say, "God, I wish that had been like half this long. It would have been so much better." Even the Stand, for instance, which is about a thousand pages. We talked about how you could cut like whole sections out of that and be so much better, but there isn't a lot of sections I cut out here, yeah. and I think that is a testament to being, to still keeping me in, um, entertained and engaged for. In this paperback edition I have is like ten a thousand ninety pages, and to still keep me engaged after having read it a couple times, the um, we, we've we've complimented it ad nauseum. I think the childhood passages, especially the relationships between the kids. King looking back on childhood is the this is the most effective for me. I had to call it back effective here. Um, <laughs> I, the, the adult stuff also works for me better, especially in the book than it does in the miniseries. I I I, I like like Mel, you, I think you put it best is how it's kind of pre- presented to us in an adult way, and the kids yeah. are presented to us in, in more much more of a childlike way, and I like that a lot. I actually think the structure worked for me especially as it went on and especially in the last part, I, I do like the back and forth between the present and the past. I, I liked how words would cut off and you, you pick up another mm-hmm. section. I love 
again, the bonkers turtle section. I'm all in on that. And I actually, if anything about the climax, I wish that they almost doubled down on that. Because I do, I understand what he was going for with the, the, the heart and the, and the spider. Mm. But it seemed a little too clean to me, I think. So that was a little bit of a letdown. But of course, the last interlude and the epilogue are so good. That kind of, it almost makes the, the end of the main story an afterthought, I guess. Um, I think Randall kind of touched upon Pennywise at times. is a little gets a little too jokey as it goes on. I think I mentioned his Letterman jacket the last episode yeah, that number says 13. number th- like the number thirteen Pennywise <laughs> from the Dead School or whatever the hell yeah. it is. <laughs> the just Dead little, School. Just a little too too many bits here and there, especially the as it went on. Everyone's dead. It, it feels like almost, and I hear everyone talk about this being his like magnum opus. I feel like he was just like throwing in all his his tools in yeah. one book. And he was like, if it works, it works. If it doesn't, I don't care. And I, part, and like you said, like for me, the ritual, I almost said Chud. Chud, Chud. Chud had, was like one of my favorite just because of the way it moved. But like, and we talked about before about the chase scenes as well. Like they went on for so long, but it worked, even though mm-hmm. there would be points where I'm like, oh my God, will this not end? And then something would happen. And I'm like, and when you think about it in real life, chasing scenes are not like 30 seconds long. No. Like they go on forever until you're exhausted. And then you are in those moments of panic and despair. And I, I feel like reading this a few more times, I'll start to grow to love it. And especially I'll be reading it under a different context. I agree. I think it's hard, especially the fortunate thing is most of these books that we've covered that I've had to be on, I've read them in the past. Mm-hmm. So you kind of have that in the background. So when you're taking notes, you, it's easier to be analytical and critical after you've already just experienced it as an entertainment vehicle, mm-hmm. you know? So I, yeah, I totally understand where you're coming from in that regard. Also a huge added pleasurable layer to kind of experience the memory loss and the memory regaining if you've read the book before a uh, while yeah. ago. Yeah. Agree um, 100%. But, yeah. um, oh, but I will say, I, I think this is just, I, I still love this book. I really do. I, th- I think ultimately, though, this is a step below for me, uh, Pet Cemetery uh, and The Dead Zone so far. I think there's other great books that I remember loving a lot that we're going to get in the future by King. But again, maybe like with you, Mel, my opinion will change a little bit. But I would give this uh, four and a half bright red Pennywise clown noses. I will be reading this again, I'm sure, in the next decade or so. I can. Uh, there's always something to go back that I will always, I will, I will always forget something when I reread it, and it'll come back mm-hmm. to me. And it's, and it's more often than not satisfying, you know. So this has been a very pleasurable experience. To I didn't feel like I was ever really a slog the last three weeks. I, you know, there's just so much to talk about. When it comes to all of this, um, and uh, yeah, those are my real final words on that. I, I, yeah. I love it, you know. We give him shit for like forgetting characters or like not balancing them well, but it is really hard. There's there's seven main characters. So much going on. Um, yeah. Oh, well, by the way, I should have also mentioned. Um, I think Mike's actually literally outside this recording studio. I've locked the door, but I am, of course. <laughs> he might say all these things, but people can say things and they're not true, as we all have established. <laughs> On the various mediums, <laughs> the people have spoken. I am Richie Trashmouth Tozier. So oh, just he's uh, trying, oh, to he's trying to get in the he's door. He's trying to get in the door. Oh, he's pounding on the door. I feel like this is a. I feel like Richie when the Wolfman's chasing after him right now. <laughs> anyway, we, all right. That's, we, have, we have fun. We do have fun here. We have fun here. All right. Anyway, that's my that's my last little that's my last little Richie bit. Anyway. All right. Um, well, those are our ratings. I don't know what the average was. Somewhere approaching four point two five ish. It's in the it's in the fours. Mike is screaming 
furiously out there. I can't understand. My headphones are I'm on. I'm scared to leave this room. Yes. Yeah. We're let, all afraid. let him in? No, absolutely not. I think we're, I feel like we're all in the clubhouse right now, and, and he's going to let out a fruity blast. <laughs> Uh, okay. I think well, yeah, we all we all enjoyed it. It's been such it's a good. journey, an over over thousand page journey. And again, this is the book that the podcast's name is based on. I came to the podcast late. Um, it was like last fall. Yeah, yeah. And it feels like such an honor to host this last book episode about it, which is so such a cornerstone of the podcast itself. So thank you, everyone, and. I just, I love you guys. Oh, we love you too. (laughs) And I think Aisha, (laughs) Aisha. now that, now that you've been on the podcast and especially on the it podcast, I mean, we've been referring to you as an honorary loser, but you've definitely, we want to give you the mantle of an official loser. If you will accept it. Can I cry tears of pus? (laughs) (laughs) Georgie style. Georgie style. Oh, my God. Yeah, no, this has been a fun experience because, like, growing up with a father who, like, is obsessed with Stephen King and, like, not really getting it, but, like, enjoying it anyway. Growing up, this has been fun. Mel talked me into it one day at work when we used to work together, and I'm glad I decided to do it because this has been eye-opening for sure. I'm learning so much. Are you in? I'm in. All right. All right. Well, Is let me get let me get this broke. Well, let me get the broken Coke bottle here. Uh, We're gonna go around and cut our palms. Um, can and, we uh, sterilize? I- uh, this this is very modern. Like, can we st- stand if we could sterilize that Coke bottle, please? But, but- okay, Eddie. This is very exciting. Yeah. There we go. Finally got a nickname. Um. Well, and also, like, if you are feeling sad because now you will have to remember this musings on childhood and the friends with with whom you shared it it's not actually over this no. is just the book portion there is a whole other episode coming down the pike on the adaptations including the miniseries and the more recent uh Muschietti, is that how you say it vehicle sure um so we will be discussing that next week and what's our next what's our next book the next book will be in about a month and we are returning to the dark tower the drawing of the three three. can't wait and this tower head's gonna be all over that one (laughs) i'm gonna actually get through that book because i stopped for a while because i was like oh god someone stabbed my face (laughs) here we go it's coming up yeah and that will be the last book of 2018 which is a huge deal. Yes. We're closing out the year. I feel so special. It's wild. But yeah, we really are. It's coming down. It's been a long year, I feel like. I don't know. But yeah. Yeah, it was the summer of Castle Rock. A lot of stuff happened this year. Yeah, there was a big so break we'll, we'll, there too, yeah. And then as is custom, there will be another season of the Losers Club in 2019. 2019. Yeah, we should really promote the hell out of it like that too. That will kick off with Misery, mm-hmm. which is a substantial piece in King's oeuvre, which mm-hmm. I am very excited to hear about. Yes. Um, yeah. So I don't know. There's like tons of stuff happening. The Losers Club is going strong. And we got a lot of movies coming out next year, too. I know yeah. we're already teasing the next season, but yeah, we got a lot of movies coming out, shows and obviously books. Yeah, it's all happening. He's still, still. writing. He won't ever stop. Hell, he's got um, a book. I think by the time this episode airs, a new King novella would have come out, a.k.a. a, a novel, whatever they want to call it. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's we're still we're still going we're, strong, and we're also in the process of planning another King Fest. 
mm-hmm. uh, film fest. Oh yeah, this is huge. Missed the last one. So yeah. yeah, so so that'll be on the way. So look out for details on that. And uh, yeah, this has been a wild ride. I love right. We're, we're talking like it's the end of the year, but it's not. It's <laughs> so, well, well, we're ramping up. Huge, like, I know. It's it like a like, like a month and a half worth of coverage essentially so yeah. far. So yeah, it feels like a big deal because it is a big deal. Yeah. So yeah, definitely keep an eye out for the King Fest news. That's like the live event where you can come watch Stephen King movies and meet the losers. Um, last year it was at the Music Box Theater, and I think this year it probably will be as well, or next year rather. I hope you fly back this time, Mel, or something. I well, I'll do something. Yeah, we'll we'll make that work for sure. Yeah. Well, we can um, also Skype you in and just have the the computer sitting there so people yeah. can talk to you. I was going to say, what's those to. like motorized roll uh, the segways and just put like yeah. an yeah. Oh yeah. god, like robot yeah. Mel like, with silver I'll, dollar I'll eyes. <laughs> In some capacity. Nice. Um, definitely like us on Facebook. Follow us on Twitter. We are on Instagram. We're on Goodreads. We are now on Spotify. Um, you can mm-hmm. download and listen to the podcast there as well as the other venues that have always been present and available to you. Um, it really, really helps when you leave us reviews and rate us. I know that that is something that everyone says on a podcast, but they only say it because it's true. Mm-hmm. And we really appreciate it. We read every single one of them and we talk about them. So if you want us to talk about you in our group text, there's a sure way to do it. Yeah. Review the pod. Um, I think that's it. Anyone else have anything? I think there's only one thing left to say. All right. Long, Long days, days and pleasant, pleasant nights. Nice. You've made it to the end of another bloody disgusting podcast. Congratulations. If you like our programming, consider searching for other bloody disgusting podcasts, such as Creepy, Horror Queers, The Boo Crew, SCP Archives, Nightlight, Margaret's Garden, and more. <laughs> <laughs>